Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. In and out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that knows dead is better only if you die in the Pacific Northwest. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're delving even deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome the Nightmare Hour and Debates on Tap podcasts to help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 1992 bracket. And whether or not you've been in charge of jack or shit, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your tiny candified ads hole. <laughs> and we are out on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and giggling shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, March 18th, if you go to screenland.com, they've got your giggling shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually. And as we are recording these episodes way in advance of the actual release date, I have it on good authority that on the 18th, our latest Friday Night Fright is coming from our... 2000 and no two bracket yes there no 2012 2012 that is correct and technically it's not competing it's now an honorable mention. it's an honorable mention but that does not mean you should not come out and check out the remake of maniac yes yes put the lotion in the basket it's gonna be great you don't necessarily get a full-on silence of the lambs reference in it but Adjacent. It's there. It's there. If you know, if you listen to the show or you watch Sons of the Lambs and you happen to enjoy Q Lazarus, you will enjoy this movie. And if you know Genius, you know you're going to hear yeah. that special little giggle. <laughs> now, the following Friday on the 25th, the last Friday Night Fright of March, this is another one that didn't compete. It's an honorable mention, but oh boy, oh boy. Woo! I can't wait for this one. This is going to be great. You have, Joe Osment. You have not lived your life <laughs> until you've seen Chuck Norris Versus roundhouse Michael kick Michael Myers in the face. We are talking 1982's Silent Rage. Please come out. Yes. And enjoy that one. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, of course, a uh, number of things that you can rent online. Go to ScreenlandOnline.com. And, of course... Through Patreon via patreon.com slash screenland or patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead, you have access to a number of virtual goodies there. But more and even more important, I should say, mm -hmm. on all the social media, you will have access to the bracket. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to play the game if you don't have the bracket? So hopefully you are continuing to send in your completed brackets and, of course, show your work for your final two. Yeah, absolutely. Show your, there. show your work. Show the work. And as we go into the round of the Scream 16 here, Genius, mm -hmm. it's nice because we're not alone. Yes. We always try to bring in people that are better than us, brighter than us, more popular. Or at least available. 
That is now it was a nice roundabout way. No, no, no. Of course, our next guest, man. I can, I love bringing them in because it seems every time I bring you guys in, shenanigans, shenanigans, but also just more things to congratulate you on, and that's <laughs> one of my favorite things. Uh, you know them as the host of the Nightmare Hour podcast. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and into the mouth of March Madness, Eric Havens and Adam Roberts. I'm doing a wave. Hello. <laughs> He's doing Hello. that nice. Hello. Yeah, that was very yeah. classy, actually. Yeah. I like that. It was like that. The, the parade wave. Yeah, It's exactly. distinguished. I didn't it's like very your distinguished. I'm working on my distinguishment. Well, <laughs> you of all people need to, because I think the last clean time Clean up your act, you is what he's saying. You piece of shit. He said, clean your act up. Oh, yes. Is that what you were doing? No, no. I, that's what you're telling him. You oh, of all people need yeah, to clean your shit up. Clean your shit up. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. You dirty Like, bastard. this might have flown before. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I'm trying to... I'm going through this my next one. This is 92. This is the 92 bracket. This ain't 1990. Well, the, one of the reasons I want to congratulate you is on the continued success of The Stylist. Thank you. Obviously. And yeah. it's not too many people that can say that their first feature film that they wrote goes out on Blu-ray through Arrow Video. And fucking yeah. smashes it. I don't know what's happening. It's incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. And the fact that people are still singing the praises of it, man. Mm -hmm. Sincerely, congratulations thank on you. all the work involved. So much. In yeah, thank you so much. It's surreal. I don't even know how to process. Like I feel like I don't I I've talked to Jill obviously a bit, but I think she has like a different point of view because she's more front and center, obviously, being the director and co writer and she deals with like arrow and all the deals and stuff. So she's more like hands on. I get like a text from Jill, like a uh, German release. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I, like, I get these weird texts where like, oh, we've just been nominated. Uh, like, wh what the? F and then like, she just forwards this stuff to me. I feel like I'm, I'm definitely part of it, but it feels like I just get my updates. Like I'm sitting in bed in my undies and I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that, those are the best yeah. kind of updates as far yeah. as I'm concerned. We're hitting Brazil. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Put your fucking pants on, dude. Never. <laughs> Here in the Man of the Match Madness, you pants are optional, my friends. Yeah. So we're yeah. very comfortable. Listen, I'm, I'm wearing shorts. I'm just doing one leg. Are those are those called shorts, Adam, or yeah, are those well, more like banana hammocks? This is painted on, so it looks <laughs> like. I'm, but I'm taking inspiration from Steve Zahn and Joyride. Yes. Well, yes. Adam, buns. we can also congratulate you on the continued success and expansion of the Panic Film Festival. Here, here. <laughs> yeah, no, get your uh, shit together. Yeah, put your pants on. <laughs> And you didn't see the look of anguish on Adam's no. face as like we're in the kind of the, the build up to this year's mm -hmm. Panic Fest. So I know you're already inundated with like movies and shorts and trying to I keep that. Honestly, I don't know how you all do it, but uh, I admire you. Yes. And mm -hmm. I'd love to show up like two days and just like sit there and have <laughs> beers and watch movies and do none of the work. And so, yeah, uh, I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> Very sleepy. It, well, it's good. Well, we do appreciate you're you one of guys. my favorite film fests. Your, your Panic Fest is the shit. I cannot wait for this year. It is going to be rad as hell. Well, I think we've all agreed, at least on the podcast, that Panic Fest is responsible for a number of memories from mm -hmm. all of us. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Wolf, Wolf Cop. Cop. Why did you look at me? The, the infamous <laughs> C-word incident oh, up on the... the I'm the, sorry, the, everyone. The Panic, the, the, the Loft of Doom. That's, again, but that shit I still remember yeah. to this day because it's memorable. Yeah. And only made memorable through the Panic Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So, again, Adam, thank you for that. Now... For those of our listeners that would like a little bit more of you all, where can they find you out with Nightmare Hour? That's uh, oh, the little thing. Like, you can find us in all the social medias and on all your podcast outlets at the Nightmare Hour. And yeah, wherever we're like, yeah, we're everywhere. Wherever, wherever, like we say, you're everywhere. We're yeah. probably right. You behind just Google you. us. I think you'll probably find us. Yeah, I well, think. 
And we should also say thank you. Uh, at this point, the episode is probably released um, at least a month ago at this point. Probably. Yeah. But you guys were kind enough to have us on and talk Halloween kills. I just was so happy to find like-minded people. I feel like, yeah. Justification? Bit, well, yes. I felt so shunned. Like, you have to like walk yeah. quietly into a room like, I like Halloween kills. Like run away. Exactly. That's what I felt like about Malignant. I'm like, I yeah. like Malignant. See, I didn't love Malignant, but like, I appreciate it. And I knew like James Wan knows what he did. Like, this is not like he's an accident. Yeah. Like, this was intentionally done, and I appreciate that it exists. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to think, much like Never Nudes, there are dozens of us yes. at this point. So, <laughs> exactly. we are definitely a place of inclusivity and safety on that side. So, thank you for being on our show, by the way. <laughs> of course. No, I, I, I listen to it. So, it's always a, a genuine joy for me on this side. But we are here in the mouth of March Madness in the year of 1992. And be it that you all are. Bit younger than us. Do you remember? I'm not younger than you. I don't think. Ah, uh, yes, you are, my friend. Am I? Have we done this? I'm. I'll be turning 46 this year. We are basically the same. Are age. we the same age? Almost. Okay. Well, I'm turning 45. So, okay. like, we would have been in school together. Yeah, we. we oh, I, I'm uh, younger. <laughs> Yay! You and Adam then are the babies here. Yeah. So, Adam, I'll throw it out to you. Do you remember what you were doing back in 1992? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, He was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just chilling in my crib, baby. No, uh, yeah, I would have been uh, entering Six. school. Yeah, so I would wow. have been. Uh, I know it hurts. Uh, hurts, Greg. Wow. I've been been in kindergarten. Wow, I'm in oh, a wow. I'm a, in a partnership with someone who's seven years younger than me, and most of the time it's fine at this age. But when you start talking about the past, <laughs> it starts yeah. getting weird. God, it's an uppercut. Yeah, <laughs> it hurts so badly. There's only like about two years difference between me and Greg, so everything's kind of on an even keel. But at the same time, when we have podcasts or guests on there, like, what were you doing? And like he said, yeah. I was seven, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, man, I was about to be a sophomore in high school playing my, Nintendo 64. My mullet was seven years old yeah. at that point. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, so. That being said, Eric, do you remember what you were doing back in '92? I do. I was in high school. I remember all the movies we're about to discuss. I saw them all in the theater. I remember them very dearly to my heart. I yeah. I wasn't just. Uh, a horror fan recently. I grew up from like the age of four on. Like, I so yeah. That, this is my. You talk about horror, like late eighties, mid nineties. Like that's like my nostalgia period of horror. Like Good. that's where. And this is something we've been kind of talking throughout the nineties. At this point, is you always hear people talk about. There's no good horror in the nineteen nineties. That's oh, bullshit. No. There's great, wonderful horror in the nineties. You have to accept it on the 90s terms. Like if you watch 90s horror through our... Yeah, you're like, no. this is. But you had to live through it, I mm-hmm. think. You had to be there. Yeah, exactly. As the old man sits <laughs> like, leans back. <laughs> well, and well, the, well, I'm going to tell you something. In my day, we didn't have these. Well, and to think about in our perspective, surfaces. 30 years ago isn't that long. Or mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like 1992 was that long ago. But technically... It's a Th- long time. 30 yeah. years is a good chunk of change. That's still 10 years ago to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I. So, that being said, we've got two films here, or I should mm-hmm. say four films in the round of the Scream 16 that two are... Two by the time we're done, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, looking at the four films there, I think a lot of people are going to go, well, it's going to be that film and that film that are going to come out, mm-hmm. but... There's been some upsets, and we have to show our work. That is the beauty of what we do here, is we definitely do show our work, I so... I an underdog. <laughs> Our first matchup, we have Candyman going up against Dr. Giggles. Mm-hmm. As guests, which of the two should we talk first? I don't keep uh, it kind of uh, quiet. Uh, well, I, I was going to let you pick this one. I was going to pick the next pair. Okay. Because I, well, I know what you're going to pick on this one, but do you? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, I think so. 
Uh, I, I think we should go. Let's let's giggle first. <laughs> That's what I thought you were gonna do because I think there's less for you to say about this one. <laughs> Sometimes it sucks when people know you very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of it, though. That's why people will go out and listen to you guys. They love that kind of banter that goes back and forth. But Dr. Giggles, this one was a new one for me, actually. This was the really? first time viewing yeah. for me. I saw it in the theater. I remember it. You did see it in the theater. <laughs> Same. I, I was yeah. six. <laughs> I took Adam. <laughs> you two took Adam. <laughs> people were giving you some stares, but you know, little brother. That's all it is. It's cool. <laughs> well, so do you, now here's a specific question, though, for you, Eric. Where did you do a lot of your theatrical viewing back in the day? I grew up in a little place called St. Joseph, Missouri. So, like, uh-huh. uh, where Jesse James ended and the Pony Express began, and meth is still going. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I grew up. Uh, it was a, I don't think it's a de- now defunct theater called Hillcrest Four. So, it was like, it was one of those, like, strip mall mm-hmm. theaters, and I had four little theaters, and I'd go in there and see, so, like, everything from Rapid Fire. I remember, like, oh. God, I've seen so many great movies in that theater. I, I Like, when I do go to St. Joseph, which isn't often, I always, like, like kind of, like, stand there. Don't quite take a knee, but I'm just, like... I, I wouldn't blame you if you did, but I yeah. just watched Rapid Fire for the first time last God. year. Rapid Fire is dope. That movie dude. rules. Rapid well, there's the a shit. point. Like, just get into a little <laughs> personal history. Like, I think that was an awakening for me because, like, when I, I was always very, I mean, I mean, still, <laughs> like, I'm ve- like very feminine on the on the spectrum. Like, I don't fit into like male groups very well, and I knew I knew I wasn't gay, and but I knew I wasn't totally straight back then. And so I didn't know what that was back in like the 80s and 90s. We didn't have like terms for no. that. I was just like, mm-hmm. no, nothing. I, but Brandon Lee, like topless in that movie, that was my like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sexual awakening. This is, yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> for me, it was, I, I would have probably had the same reaction, but I think it was more from the vests that oh, he was rocking yeah, yeah, yeah. in that those, movie. Those are good too. Hey, did, did that spiral you into wearing vests? I, I've never been more like, interested in violence topless violence like he's fighting people topless and i'm like why is this so interesting well it's more efficient so engaged with this really, that sounds like a great movie i would see a movie called topless violence yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really efficient fighting. anyway that's off the topic that theater so, is very near and dear no, to me that's, though, yeah so adam question same question mm-hmm. to you where did you grow up seeing movies now that you own a movie theater <laughs> well at this point when i was six <laughs> it was mostly spent at adult theaters Behind um, the beaded curtains. And well, again, again and I took them. To, <laughs> I mean, every theater for me was an adult theater because I was barely walking. Uh, I know you guys were. I don't know what in like wheelchair time. That I was a member of AARP at that point. Uh, no, uh, so scooters. wheelchair just, walkers. <laughs> yeah, wheelchair. Wa- another movie I would watch: yeah. wheelchair walkers. Uh, Double feature. What it's a topless violence wheelchair walkers. Zombie film. Um, Oh, topless! Wait, top, topless violence. Topless violence versus Ooh. wheelchair walkers. That sounds like something Full Moon would put out. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I probably it's watch it as long as the wheelchair walkers aren't topless. Well, actually, I mean, why not? You, hey, you yeah, say that maybe. now, you're going to be biting your tongue, buddy. <laughs> when you uh, see the topless violent wheelchair that's walkers, that's true. That's true. We don't know why they're in wheelchairs. Uh, I watched m- all of my movies uh, uh, growing up were at this AMC. Uh, it's still there. It's AMC in the Northland. It's Barry Woods. The oh. Barry Woods one. Yeah. Okay. So that's, Shit. That was the one. You were young. Yeah. Like, well, the, I, went, I went to Barry Woods the day it opened. So, so did I. So I went to more. I went to Big other theaters. Popcorn. I went to other theaters before that, uh-huh. but that's where the bulk of my movies. So I did watch them at the old Dickinson and I the was old in AMC. College when that opened. Yeah. I. Uh, well, <laughs> Again, we're all like. Yeah. That was in '96, oh. so I would have been like, "Ten, come on, man, give me See. some break." I probably had my first boner that year when that opened. 
Uh, when I took you to the adult theater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so most of them were at chain theaters because Kansas City yeah. didn't really have... The no, indie theaters we had in, the, in that the time Tivoli frame would have been the Tivoli Glenwood. and the Glenwood yeah. and the Rio. Those would have been the... And they were primarily foreign art house films. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we, you know, they, and they weren't close by our neighborhoods at all. So if we were going to those, it just wasn't a thing. Like Kansas City is just weird. So AMC is where we went. But there was an AMC and a Dickinson theater up by the mall. Metro North. Yeah. yeah so yep. th- those were the ones I, my first OGs theaters. But those closed, and then you know you had the Barry Woods. Yeah. I saw the movie Shoot to Kill mm-hmm. at the Metro North Mall with Cindy Sidney Poitier and Tom Berenger and Kirstie Allen and Clancy Brown. I don't know why that. Wow. Huh. The Clancy Brown connection yeah. will make sense yeah, a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. But someday we'll, we'll find it. The Clancy Brown connection. <laughs> But we always love hearing where people grew up watching movies because it makes a difference. And we hold those areas and that sacred. proximity sacred. Yeah, because that's where a lot of our personalities were formed. Uh, Eric, growing up as a hardcore horror fan, Adam, the same way. Um, do you remember your initial reaction to seeing Dr. Giggles? Was it something that was more memorable or was it just like, eh, that was the guy from L.A. Law? No, I, it was the guy from... I, I don't remember the sequence because everything's hazy and time means nothing. But like I remember he was everywhere for a time. And I remembered him from Darkman. I'm yes. like, there he is. Mm. Da- hey, Darkman! <laughs> that might have... I don't know. I don't know if the timing wakes up, but I remember it being like that's the reason. Yeah, I was like, oh, horror with Darkman guy. <laughs> Let's I think go. <laughs> yeah, Darkman came out in '90. So yeah. '92. Yeah, yeah. So he had a really cool run in genre. Actually, actually, I just was googling him or IMDbing him. Yeah. He's a Yahoo number one in the Karate Kid, so I need to go back. Oh my gosh, that's him! Yes, he's wait, Yahoo number one. He is one of the guys that no, he's the one. Oh, he has that horrible line of, "Who is that your pet?" When they're all, he's when Miyagi chops yeah, yeah, the yeah, bottles. Yeah, yeah. Larry Drake is one of those guys. <laughs> that's him. Yeah. Holy Dr. Giggles! Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. I wasn't giggling during that scene. I was like, oh. I also wasn't making a joke. It's this guy. Yeah, yeah, there he is. Yeah, there he is. Yep. There's Sir Benny from L.A. Law. What are you doing? Uh, this is 84. He was before L.A. Law, actually. Oh, and yeah. This is me going, hey, why'd you pick up that creep from Karate Kid? He can't be working at a law firm. <laughs> that guy is seriously racist. What is happening here? Well, he went, that was pre-law. That was pre-law. Yeah, we, yeah. We all he was a rascal. He, he was a rascal. Up his shit. That's right. We all have our own narrative stories yeah. here. Uh, Adam, do you remember initially seeing Dr. Giggles? I saw this on tape. I didn't. Uh, this was in the backup. So there's like four or five movies. I think three of them we're going to talk about today that were in the on the back covers of my comic books. Oh. Because uh, there was always like, like the back page, uh, either the final page or the actual back cover was always a movie thing. Uh, and Dr. Giggles was on quite a bit of them. Because my run of like comics, because I had older brothers, uh, most of mine were, were like, they would buy them, and then I would get them the same day. It was from like 90 to 95. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the, the golden age of Marvel, I would say, um, oh, for yeah. me growing up. Uh, so I had all the Marvel stuff, and the Marvel stuff always had, horror, weirdly, a lot of horror films. So again, three of the movies that we're going to talk about today, I vividly remember, first, my first experience with them were all in the back of Marvel Comics. That's beyond. I see my when we were growing up, the back of Marvel Comics always had like Hostess Fruit Pie comics, like and fruit roll, like the yes, fruit by the mile or whatever. Yeah, the oh, thing rolling, good. kicking people's asses, and then voice yeah. feasting on Spider Man throwing out fried pies at people. <laughs> it's no wonder we all grew up, you know, a little bit obese. You yeah. know, when you got Spider Man, yeah, a little bit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get into Dr. Giggles, because like I said, this was a first time viewing for me. I was shocked at 
how much fun I had with it. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Is this one that you've? When's the last time you watched Doctor Giggles? I tried, like when you sent off this, I tried to rewatch it again. Just to, but like I'm an old man and sleepy now, so I fell asleep. And no like fault by this movie at all. It was just like one of those like trying to slam mm-hmm. something in. But from my memory, like I think I don't think I've seen it since the theater like completely. But from my memory, I think it's pretty great. Like it's a lot of fun. Like it walks this like in our. Uh, we've talked before in the past about like horror and humor, like mm-hmm. walking that fine line. I think that's right in the middle. That's like wonderful. Like it, if you, I don't even know how to put that in it, but there is like this nineties, eighties horror film where everything feels a little fuzzy, mm-hmm. a little like, like fun. And I don't know, surreal. And this falls right into that. Like it's almost like an allegory or something. I don't know. I don't know how to phrase like what nineties was, but it's like outside of like this dirty, grimy horror and this it's like it's almost we present to you my dream <laughs> like that's what it feels like that's not off actually because there are multiple moments throughout the film that become dreamlike yeah. i mean i would go the birthing scene yeah is definitely one of those that's a standout but this movie is also very very 90s mm-hmm. i mean the jeans are should be tight rolled at yeah. this point we should see some Eastlands with a little coil wraps at the some, end. Some some acid wash. Yes, yes. Uh, anything along those lines. So that being said, Adam, since you were the younger one growing mm-hmm. up with it, do you remember? You know, did was this one that you came back to at all? Um, I've seen this movie two times, but I I haven't. Uh, it's one that actually is on my to rewatch list. I didn't make it around this time uh, because something else came up. It, it was just, it anything kind of else came up. Uh, I, 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 what I remember is the like inside the mouth shot more than anything yeah. else. Like yep. that's like what <laughs> yep. I remember, and like just how wacky he was. Like yeah. he remind, reminded the me of like was so good. Yeah, he reminded me of like a grim, like a like a Joe Dante character. Like he act, just looks like a gremlin. Like he's such a cartoon in this, uh, and that's what I kind of remember more than anything. But yeah, the the like tongue depressor shot through the mouth is what I remember. I, just, I could the, the, see him having like a dentist office in the Gremlins to yeah. high rise. Well, yeah, That's, we had like, yeah, we'll see Doctor Giggles. Mm-hmm. We had the we had dentist the dead Gremlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Joe Dante actually would have been really good with this film, oh, yeah. just in terms mm. of the aesthetics. And I think we talked about it the first time. It does really balance horror and comedy mm-hmm. pretty yeah, well because yeah. it's funny and it's punny. Yeah, he's he's very, a he's a very punny. Killer. I think, and bringing back Malignant, I think it's very much like what James Bond's trying to do. Like it's that kind of like old school camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, and not taking seriously. This movie should not be taken seriously, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not. I mean, you have Michelle Johnson getting her stomach pumped. <laughs> you have like children being birthed out of in 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 um, corpses. <laughs> you know, you have all sorts of again the tongue depressor, yeah. the whole like. Uh, Shooting you full of bleach. Well, if you look at the two, fi- the, the film this one went up against initially was Raising Kane, which is De Palma, oh, yeah. which is yeah. not necessarily fun and not no. necessarily right. a romp. That's also, yeah, that's very mean. <laughs> it, it's De Palma, so yeah. you know what can you? But I think maybe that's the reason why this one actually ended up getting out of that first round because it is fun, fun. and it's yeah. one I can. I'm almost a, probably have to be in a certain mood to watch Raising Kane, but yeah, I can be in any kind of mood to watch Doctor Giggles. Well, and it's a ninety. It's a ninety minute. It's it. This movie is like I think when people think '90s, this is like what they remember the '90s, which is just kind of like it's not a bad movie. It's a little forgettable because mm-hmm. it's not. It's no one's favorite movie, and I think the '90s presented a lot of no one's favorite movies. Uh, but it's it's fine. Like I remember enjoying <laughs> it. I remember enjoying it. I, like 
Because I don't think I've watched it in probably, I bet I was like 20 the last time I watched it. So like last year or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it, Adam. <laughs> well, as it turns out, this is actually one of Jill's favorite flicks. Mm-hmm. And one that she had mentioned, I think, to our buddy Adrian that if she can remake a movie, she'd kind of like to remake Dr. Yeah. Giggles. Which I could be down with. Because the kills are mean. Would you would you help co-write it then, Eric, since you guys are collaborators? Would you make Absolutely it funny? not. Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I get to chew up, like write ridiculous dialogue and like Medical puns? Yes. Yeah. Sign me the fuck up. We have it here on tape then, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. When we eventually see that Dr. Giggles remake, make it a legacy it's sequel, gonna, too. It's going to be Giggles PhD. Well, <laughs> Larry Drake version. is kind of past, so it'd be kind of... Yeah. Well, we can... You know what? We can Tarkintown him. It's Don't, fine. He'll be the first victim. Hey, so he'll okay. be the first victim. I, I must point this out because my mind is fucking blown right now. Uh-oh. Do you know who did the music for this movie? Hmm. Brian May from Queen. What? Are you now, Are you sure it's that Brian May from uh, Queen or Australian Brian May? Well, it, it could be wrongly linked right here, but right here, when I click it, takes you to Brian. It May. is Brian May. Oh fuck! Wow, because there's a Brian May. Now I'm gonna now Australian. I know Doctors you, of the Universe. I mean, they did Flash Gordon. Why can't they do this? See, so there's two here. Let's see. Because yeah, because it could be. One, one or the other. This is scintillating conversation here. Oh, y'all. you're right. You're right. It's Australian. It fil- okay. Damn. How cool would it have been if he did it, though? <laughs> Brian I would have been like, fuck, I'm going to watch this movie tonight. <laughs> I'm still not convinced Brian May and his elongated fingers didn't freak the fuck out of every teenage girl he was around because those things are, look like something out of like Cronenberg. Yeah, or Screaming yeah. Mad George. Like they're intense, <laughs> they are scary. No, and that Brian May's score actually. Not as memorable. It's one that didn't yeah, I don't really. Remember that, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of weird because it's usually a good score for us. Mm-hmm. It's like it's mm-hmm. another character. Yeah, and Brian May has usually you know Brian May scored. Fury Patrick. Road. Oh, he did Patrick. He did Patrick. Well, you got to have some good music if you're having a sad handy. You know, some background music, telepathic so, sad handies. Any other thoughts on Doctor Giggles before we uh, satisfy our sweet tooths here? <laughs> uh, I just I think it's. Definitely worth revisiting for his performance alone. Yeah, like just how like he went for it, and I admire, and he usually did. But like this, I think this, if I was making like a compilation of his work, it would be Doctor Giggle heavy. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. I would agree, Adam. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> which, which ones? <laughs> All of them. All I of just them? was trying to end on a mouth joke. Oh, because the, the, uh, the giggles, uh, the dentist. See, we'll never reach that right. level, no. my friend. We'll no, never no, reach no. that level. You can't, so get, from, you can't get up see. on this high horse. <laughs> I think Dr. We're just on a horse. We're not that high. We're not. Well, uh, we're only yourself, like two. Sir. Um, no. <laughs> it's a Shetland level. Yeah, it's a mini horse <laughs> no, section. Um, I think this is one of those undersung slashers mm-hmm. that should be getting yeah. that re that re uh, reevaluation here shortly. I think this is it started out as a cult hit, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to just get a little bit more. The cult of giggles is going to. It's almost along the lines of Madman. Like yeah, we're like, just yeah. now, people are just now seeing this and getting this. Like, oh hey, I think this is one of those ones that provides uh, kind of slashers that provides fun. Turn your mind off and watch a killer go around killing people in fun, unique ways. Mm-hmm. I think this deserves a lot more attention that it got and is getting. And I hope like this becomes a cult classic a little bit further down the line because it's Doctor Fucking Giggles. Well, anything that makes it out of the first round usually is always a good sign that it's getting legs. Yeah. And thirty years later, we're still mm-hmm. finding it and discovering. So that's the very nature of Into the Mouth of March Madness. Now that being said, 
from a film that had a score where we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I don't remember that. The score. The score. Oh, <laughs> my God. The scariest score in yeah. all of horror. And having just recently had it as a Friday Night Fright, this movie still slaps as the kid. Whatever the kids say. My, speaking of kids, my kid is mm. like she plays piano. And she's learned the, most of the score of this. Oh, so no. I, I'll just sitting in my house and it's like, do, 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 do. no, <laughs> damn it. God, that would freak me the fuck out. <laughs> oh, that would scare the piss out of me because that is a haunting ass score. Does she have like a suite of like horror themes that she's just played for like a good five minutes and it's like it. from Halloween to she is my child. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I can't even imagine it's two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> everything's dark, and all of a sudden. You gotta get her like that. Putting honey in something, you're like, <laughs> oh no. Steer <laughs> <laughs> clear from any and all mirrors, my friends. Hey, you're looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> you have to get her this nice fur, too, so she can wear that while she plays. That's a pimp yeah. coat. That's what that is. That's a s- Candyman is the most stylish of horror Dude, villains. No, 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 not for Candyman. It's from, real. Yeah, where his time? It's yeah. real. There is blood. It's one hundred percent. Hey, but, but if it makes it, if it makes you feel better, it's two hundred years old. It's been passed down from generation <laughs> to generation, so it's not new for. Because yeah, of course, Petey would throw blood on him. Because what is blood for if not protesting? <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> well, let's get into it. Eric, did you see this one in the theater? I did. Ah, Adam, did you wait till the tape this, for this one? No, uh, VHS. I, I did wait for the tape. I didn't see any of these movies in the theater initially because I was six. Yeah. Uh, but I did. This was on the back of the magazines. This one actually scared me the most. So all this and Farewell to the Flesh were both in the Marvel cover. So I still have them in a box somewhere. But uh, this one, like the imagery, my brother, he did see it in theater. So I can't. I, I returned. He returned home with the knowledge of the Candyman mythology, which I was like, well, fuck my life now. Like, you know, yeah. being six, like <laughs> hearing the mythology of what it is. This movie became much different in my head than when it, when it I eventually was. saw it, which I think I probably saw it two years. Everything was like two years delayed because tapes uh, or, or HBO was when I would eventually see it. So it was probably like eight or nine when I, I saw this. HBO? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we were stealing HBO. Even <laughs> um, better. Because back then you could just somehow there was like the cable box you would open and like some guy knew, everybody knew somebody who knew somebody had to hook it up. And for yep. 50 bucks they would go in there and... I and, just uh, stick with the free preview weekend like a peasant. Yep. Yeah. No. <laughs> and then just tape everything yes. that you could. Yes. We we had it. We had it stolen, straight stolen. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I I did see. It. But but in my head, I knew this story for a long time. I knew the image of Candyman. I was like a character in a Candyman film, uh, before I actually witnessed him. That's beyond. Because you, you live in Cabrini Green. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not with HBO. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> well, stolen HBO. <laughs> That's wrong. So this one was in St. Joe in the mm-hmm. theater. Yep. Do you remember walking away from that being changed at all, or like retroactively? Yes, yeah. I think at the time I didn't understand a lot of what was going on in this movie. I, I mean, I don't know if that's embarrassing or not, but I was in my teens, nope. so like it's I adult horror. Yeah. yeah, it is, and it's very heavy, and it's mm-hmm. very like historical, like social, and there's a lot going on in this movie. And I don't think I really understood it, but it was very like. I don't know. Like looking back, it it shook me. Like I left the theater. I always went to the matinees too because I'd Mm -hmm. go by myself because I was a real cool kid. I didn't wear (laughs) pants. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. So I'd come out. Like I went in. I remember seeing it, and then leaving, and the sun's still out, and how wrong that felt. Mm -hmm. Like, like I was just like, no. (laughs) Like, 
It's a haunting ass film. Well, and I think it anytime is. we talk about Clive Barker, or anytime mm-hmm. you talk about Clive Barker, it's adult because it's, it's adult. flesh. Yeah. Yes, his work is stuff that transcends a lot of the teenage stuff that we oh, deal yeah. with. Mm-hmm. And I was also the same way. It took me probably a few viewings to realize, oh, there's a lot going on yeah. in this horror movie, but it's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not heavy handed. Yeah. Uh, it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And, oh. It's terrifying, but it's yeah. beautiful. And like oh. the, the, like the score itself, it's it's off putting and unsettling, but yet it's melodic and hypnotizing. Yeah. Well, I don't think Philip Glass ever did another horror score. In fact, I don't think he actually I, likes horror films. I don't think so. Yeah. No, yeah. So it's kind of a random thing that he put out there, but oh my god, it just makes I, the movie. Yeah so much better and when I grew up at this time I mean it was obviously a factor but like St. Joseph was very segregated there was mm. like the black part of town and the white part of town and I think there was yeah like they, there was like the black they put all the black people in one locker area and stuff and like where, my high school and stuff like looking back I'm like oh that was fucked up it, but at the time race wasn't on my radar at all sure. I'm like everything's fine I'm a white dude in the Midwest. <laughs> Things look great. Yep. Like, like so a lot of this didn't click with me until later, like in college and yep. when you meet new people and you see other <laughs> yeah. different perspectives and you're like, oh, fuck. And then you watch this movie and you're like, oh. Like, I don't know, it just hits in a whole new way at that yeah. point. No, yeah. we talk about the baggage you bring. And yeah. every year you're on the face of this earth, you get new experiences, your perspective hopefully changes, and when you watch something, mm-hmm. it can affect the way you view it. Well, and the fact that you do a little bit more research and realize there was an actual murder of people going yeah. in through behind mirrors, going around killing people and escaping, you know? Plus, we've grown all grown up around the time of, like, whether it be Bloody Mary or something, you say something in the mirror a couple of times that comes up behind you and kills you, so you already have those different things coming up in there in your mind you're like holy shit yeah this can be real plus you already have again the while it, it didn't happen in the context of the movie you know some of that shit why Candyman became Candyman happened in real life the atrocities yeah. that the slaves and the slave owners did mm-hmm. and yeah. things like that mm-hmm. so all of that makes sense and works and puts mm-hmm. that spark of fear and imagination into your mind yeah what was rad was when we did this as Friday Night Fright, I had actually watched De Palma's Sisters beforehand. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, so good. Which plays as an interesting kind of like interracial romantic double feature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sisters was what, like, I think 72 or so? It was pretty it was early prime on. Prime Margot. Like, oh, oh, oh God. yeah. <laughs> that's my, like, yeah, that's one of my all time crushes, like 1972 Margot Kidder. Like, oh, <laughs> and then just a few years later, you got a bar from Black Christmas, yeah, yeah. which she had a hell of a run. Yeah, she did. Get hell of a run. Snackered. <laughs> but the fact that even though in 72 from 92, there 20 years separate those two, and there were still issues of mm-hmm. interracial. The fact that they didn't want them to actually kiss yeah. him and Virginia Madsen in the mm-hmm. film because they thought people in St. Joe would probably yeah. have some issues out there. Absolutely. And here yeah. we are, how many years later in 2022 with the Candyman sequel, not a mm-hmm. remake, yeah. and people were still... Ha- so it's something that has been, like we said, it's prescient, it's a cautionary tale, and it continues to educate yeah. us, you know, um, I don't want to say us white boys suburbanites, but, you know, it just shows you there's a larger world out there mm-hmm. and there's a lot that needs to be done. Yeah. In that larger world, and very little has been done. <laughs> yes, yeah, from like yes, and that's decade. the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Todd, obviously, fan freaking tastic in this movie. It's just the way he chews up all the dial, like his little monologue. It's geez, it's like Shakespearean. Wow. It is Shakespearean. Oh my god, it's, it's super Shakespearean. Well, he's also he's kind of a Shakespearean trained, trained yeah. actor. Yeah. And when, it's funny when you look at his IMDb, you go, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. 
you forget about everything he's been in, but yeah. he's been a great ambassador for genre, mm-hmm. and one of those that still hits the convention circuits, and yeah. he's still, he gets it. You know, mm-hmm. Tony Todd is rad that way. So, final thoughts on Candyman, because uh, we don't want to take up too much, because we spent an hour or two just, talking this. Yeah, I, uh, like, this one's going to be hard for me when we get to the voting part, mm-hmm. because, like, if you go back to 92, like, like personally, like, what it was at that time versus, versus what Candyman has become. Like that's a that's a hard choice. To and make. it's and we'll we'll get into this. So we've got two bits of criteria we're looking at here in the round of the Scream sixteen. And the first one is so nice. We do it twice. We're gonna ask <laughs> I like how we had to prepare for that. Which of the two films is closer to your heart? Closer to the heart. Not too bad. Not too bad. Getting there. Almost, yeah. So we're gonna have our guests go here. Uh, Adam, mm. Candyman, or Doctor Giggles? Which one's closer to your heart? I mean, I think this is an easy choice for most of us to make. I think Candyman's uh, the choice. It's one that like has now become. I think it was like at every like eight or ten year watch. Now it's more like a. It, it's also a relatively short film. It's like ninety five mm-hmm. minutes, and, and yes. it just packs so such a punch in that ninety five minutes. And I, I, I really do like the extended unrated cut of it. It adds just a little bit not, not beefiness to it. But it's like why we all like horror. I think it's it's scary, but it's packs a whole lot of smarts in it. And I think every time I watch it, I take away something new. Mm-hmm. There's a new conversation you can pull, whether it's race or sex related. Um, there's just so much in this movie. It's fucking great. That's perfect. Perfect, Eric. I have a question. Like, are we talking like fifteen-year-old Eric or modern? It's however you, how you interpret it. Yep. So Whatever is closer to your heart on this one. Yep. Like present heart or past heart. That's what it's I'm it's like, that as long as you I, show your work. I'm pretty confident. Like, if you asked ninety-two Eric, like when he like left the theater and went through his thing, I, I would have definitely gone with Doctor Gill. Like, I had a fun time. It was great. It was, had everything I wanted. Good time. Candyman. The sun should never shine again. <laughs> like, I, I don't like so. So that that little Eric would have picked Doctor Giggles for sure. But with time and experience and old man Eric now, mm-hmm. like Candyman, it's not just a great movie. It's like such a, like historically monumental moment, and not just horror movie history, but like movie history. Like the things it tackles, the the messages it has, the themes it has, the way it was delivered, and the. the the walls that broke down. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I vote against Candyman. That's like okay. That way. Definitely showed your work there. We got two votes for Candyman. Genius <laughs> McGee. As much as I champion and love Dr. Giggles, as much as I was like, hey, this is a movie that people need to see. It needs to be have a cult status. Candyman affected me. Candyman from like day one in the theater, the music, the like, ha, 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 right? Yeah. And then the whole like, Hell and the bees is the yeah. t- my real probably first main introduction to Tony Todd, yeah. and so I got to go Candyman on that one. I'm also going to go with Candyman, and only because Doctor Giggles, even though it was just a first time watch for me, I still have a lot of nostalgia for one Larry Drake yeah. and everything. Yeah, he was absolutely. he was part of our childhood. Yeah. Well, yeah. Eric Genius and I, Adam was still you know, yeah. <laughs> no, no. he's five. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just showed this movie to me, and be like, ah, uh, they do what to your mouth? What is? <laughs> Hell no. It probably launched a thousand phobias, potentially. Or fetishes. (laughs) (laughs) Angels to some, (laughs) demons to to others. But I'm also going to go with Candyman, only because this is one that I recall from back in the day. And just through my love of Tony Todd, Mm -hmm. my love of Virginia Madsen. I remember Mm -hmm. watching her 
on an HBO show called Long Gone. Mm. It was an old baseball show. It got like William Peterson is in it. But she's also one of those character actors. I was like, I yeah. love you. And uh, just for that, I've got to go with Candyman. Gina Madsen's a treat. Now, from to the heart to the head, we're going to ask the question. If you mm. were to remove one of these films from the year of 1992, which film, if removed, would leave the year poorer? Adam. Oh, I mean, Candyman. <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we nobody's even, well... Maybe, you, I know, guess, you never know. You never I guess know. Jill has mentioned remaking Doctor Giggle, <laughs> but the, the the world like shifted a little bit when she said that out loud. I don't think it's a. It's just like I think when you look at like cultural touchstones, something. I always say when it, when a movie comes out this year, like and you can always look at like award winners. Is that a real cultural touchstone? Will people remember it in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years? And if the answer to that is no. Then, then you can you can cut that one easily, and I think we already know the impact in the history that Candyman has. I mean, we we've now have like a sequel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that of course we've had other sequels, but we had a very prominent sequel that did quite well, uh, and I think brought the conversation back, brought this back to the forefront. Um, yeah, I don't think you can live without this in the world. Nope, that absolutely. Excellent work showing the work. Yeah, Eric Havens. Now you stole the words out of my. Bloody stump. I don't know. I got <laughs> let, let me put this tongue depressor in your mouth. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, oh. But, uh, yeah, I don't think, like, if Candyman was gone, I don't think it's just 92 would suffer. I think, like, everything that we've gotten since and the conversations that it started would be gone. So you can't take Candyman away in that sense. And I will take just a second for how much I like the new one. Mm. And the shadow puppet stuff during the credits. The shadow puppet stuff was fantastic. God, they that had, hit me they so had a hard. trailer of just the yeah. shadow puppet ones. And that like, was the, my favorite trailer of the whole year. It was great. But mm. watching them expand and like add to, to to that same theme of the first one and then show us like the shadow puppets of the real life like things that we've mm-hmm. all been living through. Good God. Like, yeah, you can't I think these are important movies, both of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I, I think yeah, if you lose Dr. Giggles, some people might not be as afraid of the dentist. I think that's all we really <laughs> yeah. lose. So, right. I think no. that's what I'm doing. Well, we still have, like... I think I'm settling in. Yeah. Right we on. still have Little Shop, which is uh, quite the dental movie. Yeah, but it's Steve Martin, too. Yeah, so. but it's still... He's a little touchy-feely. Well, and then we actually have the dentist with Corbin Bernson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there we go. And we have We're, the Marathon Man. Yeah. yeah. Is it safe? Right. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Steve Martin did a. Didn't he do a. Uh, it's Nova called Kane or whatever? Nova Kane, yeah. yeah. Nova Kane. Mm-hmm. Where he played not a killer dentist. No, but like, he was, it was a dental movie. Yeah. I'm just I trying just to show Bill Murray love for dental shop. For dental shop? Yeah. Right. But I mean, doctors are scary in the first place. I hate fucking going to doctors. And Little Shop like, flips it over, though, because Bill Murray is like into it. Yeah. Sadist. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Masochist. Right. Yep. So, okay. So if I was to get rid of one. <sighs> It seems like Dr. Giggles is already gone because not enough people know <laughs> yeah. of Dr. Giggles and that's like fair point. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like is he removed it, not saying, you know, no harm, no foul, because I mean you're removing a fucking great Larry Drake movie and a cool interesting slasher. But if you remove Candyman, you're removing something not only special, but something that is not only prescient for the times that it was in, but prescient still to this day. Absolutely. And when something movie is like that it should not be discarded or removed. So for that reason, I'm going for uh, Candyman. It's tough to try to defend Dr. Giggles in this kind of light. Right. And I will piggyback on what you all have said. If you do take away Dr. Giggles, you take away an amazing Larry Drake performance. But we still have Durant and Darkman. 
we still have Benny in L.A. Law. Mm-hmm. But you take away Candyman. You take away one of the all-time great Tony Todd performances. You take away Farewell to the Flesh. You take away Day of the Dead. You take away the, the sequel of Candyman. And I guaranteed there are people out there listening that love Day of the Dead, that love Farewell to the Flesh. And I don't want to take that away from them. We could have potentially gotten something more with Dr. Giggles, but we didn't. We got something more with Candyman. And because of that, I think 1992 would definitely be so much more poor without. And by a vote of eight to nothing, Candyman has been summoned into the round of the Hateful Eight, which, not a surprise, had Dr. Giggles beaten Candyman. I'm sure we we got some angry letters. Shenanigans there. Well, you know what? I think our final matchup in the round of the Scream 16 might be a little bit more competitive as we have Army of Darkness going up against Pet Cemetery 2. And that being said, since old man Eric, like me, has an old bladder, <laughs> Adam, which of the two shall we start talking first? Um, let's go with Army of Darkness first. Army of Darkness. And this is another one that... We had a very interesting conversation yes, in the first round of yes, this Yes, we did. So I'm going to lay it out to you guys. I get... Did you call it my bladder while I was gone? I'm, com- <laughs> I'm, I'm commenting on my own, my friend. Trust me. Okay. We, we're going to have equal steps on our Fitbit today. Prostate's the size of grapefruits. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your initial interaction with Army of Darkness? This is, I don't know if this is, this is something I've never admitted to people before. I'm going to do it right here. I'm going to oh, lay it out. Oh, man. Because it's a little embarrassing. But I went to the theater to see Army of Darkness, not knowing that it was a third in a trilogy. I didn't know about Evil Dead at that point. Well, look, didn't know about Evil Dead. Look at Dead these too. tapes. How would you have ever known that <laughs> I'm it just was? Like, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, "I'll go see this movie," and was so confused the first time I saw it. I can imagine, yeah, because it makes no pretense that it, because it doesn't have any ties, at least mm-hmm. title wise. Because mm-hmm. I know initially they were going to call it Mid Evil Dead, yeah, which would have made more sense. So. But there, there's also they expect you have seen, to seen the ev- the end of Evil Dead too, sure, mm-hmm. because they never really explain why is this person in He's medieval times with the the, the chainsaw. I mean, nothing makes sense. But then, were you <laughs> able to, were you able to go back and kind of reverse engineer into the Evil Dead I actually, franchise? That's I did this with uh, Star Wars actually too. I saw Return of the Jedi first, then Empire than the original. That's how I live my life. I, I don't know. And I did the same with this. I saw Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2, then the first. Oh, Lord. Wow. That is a backward reverse engineering into, yes. like, slapstick into, oh, my God. Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> Should I be watching this? <laughs> oh, that tree. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny that Raimi, to this day, still mm-hmm. says that was just youthful exuberance. I thought, you know, by shocking, I could entertain, and yeah. I didn't realize probably yeah. shouldn't have done that. But Speak- I'm glad he's he's one of those filmmakers. That Speaking can- of Dark Man, Raimi. Yeah. Mm. Always yeah. connection. Yeah. Always a connection there. Adam, do you remember which... So Marvel Comics, looking at the back going, what is this Army of Darkness thing? Um, so this one was on TV, but I saw Evil Dead by proxy first. Um, we had like a split-level house, so and the... the, the Level above it had like a staircase oh, I could like see the down. 90s house. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. So that's I could. <laughs> 90s house. I by proxy watched Evil Dead the original through uh, like the little bars, little bars. Yep. yep. And oh, my brother was good. watching it downstairs, so I did kind of watch the first one. I don't, and then I didn't see Evil Dead two, um, and then I saw Army of Darkness on TV. 
because I think it was Sci-Fi Channel that was playing it pretty often because that was the time of like Xeno was going on mm-hmm. and stuff. Like Sam this would have been stuff. like 94, 95 mm-hmm. when I saw this. Um, so I didn't see it on tape. Uh, and I didn't really understand what the. I just thought it was like one of those films because if you if you didn't see two and you just saw this, you'd be like, oh, it's the same vibe, same kind of tone, but it's n- nothing else really related other than it's at the character of Ash. Yeah. Um. So so yes, I saw it on TV, uh, not uncut until probably then then like this sort of like I would say ninety six ninety seven my. Well, ninety when I saw Scream, my shit got unleashed into, into the horror world. So I started buying every fucking tape. Yeah. So I think I bought this in ninety six or seven on tape, and then I watched them all together. I love how people get to the franchise yeah. and how they consume it. And there's no wrong way. No, it's like oh, I definitely did it the yeah. wrong way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Are you kidding? It's an interesting way, just in terms of the tone of both of the films. Um, you know, I actually skipped school to go see this one in the theater, which is embarrassing to admit. Wasn't grade school or anything, Adam. Mm. It was, you know, <laughs> definitely in high school at that Senior point. Senior skip day. Yeah. But I also, I initially saw Evil Dead 2 first, then Army of Darkness, and then Evil Dead. So I went a really roundabout way. But, yeah, same way I went. But it's one of those franchises that it's all over the place. And you kind of get yeah. a really true idea of Sam Raimi as kind of a filmmaker His and an artist. style. And, yeah. Because even though, like... From one to three, it's from straight up hardcore horror to like slapstick goofy. Yeah, it's still Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. You still see his eye, his style, his mm-hmm. love of three fucking stooges. <laughs> and yeah. I will say, this one also has one of my favorite f bombs ever in a film. When uh, the people are coming up to him afterwards, like get the fuck out of my way. And it's just real brief. <laughs> it's just it's perfect. It's the only f bomb. Let me ask you this though: now that we're all older, mm-hmm. now that we've seen these movies a bazillion times. How does Army of Darkness hold up for you now? Um, so I I was always pretty lukewarm on this movie. Uh, it was always the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's actually gotten more a little a little bit higher up on my list as as times go goes on. Just because I think when I'm older now that I'm older, I want things to be more fun. <laughs> uh, so same thing with Evil Dead Two. I didn't like it as much as Evil Dead One because Evil Dead One was so gritty and violent and like scare really scary. Uh, and then like it, number two was like, fuck. So like, cause I didn't see two for until after I already saw all the first in this one, it was so confusing. I'm like, is this a remake? It was just like, you know, everyone wrapping their head around what the fuck yeah. two is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, took, and then I would watch them together and kind of figure it out. And, but one was always the, the top for me because it's the horror, the real horror. Uh, and then like these two, like Evil Dead 2's definitely still above this. This is still number three in the franchise for me, but I, I, I used to like, kind of fucking hate this movie. Uh, I don't know why I just kind of hated it, but there was like stuff that re- was remarkable. Like some of the, the special effects were just so fun. I think for this time frame, skeletons. the skeleton. Oh, the yeah. And the, the Danny Elfman score was really cool. Yes, yeah. uh, and the skeleton dance. Yeah. Or the, 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 the March to battle that, that, that score is so fun. And, and the book is cool. And it's like, it feels like little kids playing with toys and it's like, uh, yeah. So there's like enough in there, but it also feels kind of like, it feels like, it's just a more of a minor film. Like it's less, I don't know, even though the stakes are technically higher, sure. it's such a, mi- feels more minor than the first two. Eric. I, it, it's, I think it's along the lines of what we talked about, like malignant or even like Texas chainsaw massacre two is like, they're not necessarily made for me, but I respect the hell that they just went, they just like, let's do this. Yep. They, let's go a completely different way. 
let's just go crazy. Like, people want a third Evil Dead, let's give them this. Like, I respect the hell out of that. So while I can't say, I, like, it's not my favorite of the, I guess, four or five, if you count the series now, mm-hmm. I respect the hell out of it. Like, yeah. I respect, like, they released a movie in the theater on the t- tales of Evil Dead, and, like, we're going to give you this. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if you, a lot of people could do that. And I'm trying to remember back during 1992, just in terms of critically how this was received. I don't Be- know. Probably not well. I can't imagine, or at least especially, again, looking at the mm-hmm. kind of the trajectory of the first two films, that we got the seeds of all the slapstick in the second one, but like you, it's full front. That is mm-hmm. what this film is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have been better off as Medieval Dead, because I still love that title. That yeah. is just still, I think, one of the greatest all-time titles that never was. But with this one, like I said, and even viewing it in a modern lens, I think because a lot of theaters will still program this because it does bring a lot of people out. And because of the fact that I've seen it so many times, because of that with repertory screenings, it's kind of lost a little bit of the luster yeah. for me. Yeah. But I still appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. And everything that it's meant to the to the to the you know genre, and it's it's Bruce Campbell at probably his all time Bruce Campbelliest, yeah. yeah. and he just I mean he looks like an action figure yeah. in mm-hmm. this movie. It's, it's just that like that peak performance of him, and there is something to be said about stop motion animation yeah, and absolutely. the charm involved with that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they were to remake that now, which we're getting a, a remake, new Evil Dead, a new Evil Dead, but it's yeah, set in the city. When the series kind of stopped hinting at this, right? right. Yeah. Then yeah. they got canceled. Yeah. So, uh, Greg, I guess to answer your question, <laughs> yes. the reception of this, it didn't do very well financially. It was an $11 million movie, and it made $11 million Ooh. in America. It made 21 worldwide, so not not good. Uh, you know, I can't really see. <laughs> it's weird because, you know, how Rotten Tomatoes puts reviews from all time frames. Uh, it is at 73%. Audience likes it at 87%. Yeah. Uh, but it did an win. Audience movie in general. It, yeah. it won best horror film from uh, from the Saturn Awards that year. So mm-hmm. I guess like, and it won best film at Sitges that year. So I guess the horror community really liked it that year. And I still love it. I mean, like yeah, I said, yeah. it lost its luster this recent time, but because I've seen it like maybe like four <laughs> dozen times <laughs> already. Yep. But I'll still crack up at some of the places, and I'll still quote along, well, ooh, Mr. Fancy Pants, or something like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, and it's still Bruce Campbell being Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're like, hey, you want to watch Army of Darkness? You want to watch Evil Dead 2? I'm, I'm going to watch Evil Dead 2, yeah. you know? But at the same time, I still love me some Army of Darkness, even though it has lost its luster over time. But again, you can't see a movie... 48 times and love it as much as you did the first time you saw it. Except yeah. for Halloween. Sorry, that's just me. I was going to say, no, there are <laughs> well, people that yeah, will. That, there are people that it, will yeah. that will watch well, it. But at the same time, for me, it's just, it's, it's still a great movie. It still yeah. holds a high mm-hmm. regard place in my heart. It's just it's, the, the diamond is not as shining as yeah. bright as it used to. Well, and this is like Rami really trying to do like kind of a sword and sorcery movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't particularly love those movies most of the time. Clash of Titans excluded. Mm-hmm. I don't really love those films, so I don't know if this was ever a movie for me. Uh, and I think as a kid, this should have been more for me. And I just, like, even as a kid, I was like, what the fuck am I yeah. watching? Like, it's just like... <laughs> that was my response. There's just, like, a lot of ideas. And some scenes are really good, like Ash versus Ash is cool. Like, a scene yeah. that still works. The, the the music, you know, Danny Elfman, the March scene, those those are the two things I really like. The rest of the movie I don't really like. And it feels like it's a... Re- it almost feels like a Hammer movie at some times. Like, it's oh, so cheap feeling. Okay. And I think it's intentionally supposed to oh, be yeah. trying to do yeah. a lot of this. But it's like... 
Evil Dead 2 wasn't a parody film, this feels like a parody film of those movies. And I think that's where it loses me a little bit because I'm not a big parody guy. And I think Evil Dead 2 was just like, let's make a horror comedy. And this is let's make a parody film with Ash. And had Bruce Campbell not been in this, insert anybody else, it's probably a fucking terrible movie. Might be direct to video at that point. And now I have no idea what we're going to pick because <laughs> it turns out none of us, oh, it turns out we're all lukewarm on this, it feels like, yeah. in 2022. And that's, well, that's just it again, the baggage we're bringing in the year yeah. 2022. Well, you don't expect a horror comedy with the term Army of Darkness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You expect like. An army of evil. Yeah. But I, I do love this poster. My oh, that is, one there. This yes, is the, the best. D- the director's cut, and that's the other thing. How many versions has this been released on through home media, <laughs> yeah. through oh, yeah. VHS, DVD, Blu-ray? They keep coming up with new little bits they can throw on there. And for the longest time, I kept buying them. Oh all. yeah. And Who I didn't? think that's what has to do with it as well. Where I'm like, oh my god, I don't know. I probably my student debt should be cleared at this point. <laughs> But I kept buying new editions <laughs> of Army of Darkness. But instead, you're putting Sam right. Ramy through uh, his know, kids through yeah. a variety of colleges yeah, yeah. at this point. So, final thoughts on Army of Darkness before we see if Dead is better. I enjoy it. I yeah. still do. It's. I. I think we all enjoy it. We all appreciate it. I think I appreciate it more now yeah. than I did. Yeah. I was just confused as a child. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, watching it and loving this movie, eating it up with a fucking spoon. When I was young, and I was like, "This movie is great. It's got Stooges. It's got a. It's got <laughs> Danny Elfman score punching himself in the face. Right? It's fun. It is yeah. fun and silly. The movie it is up against, I will argue, is also fun Whew. for a variety of different reasons. Way though. more fun than Part One. That's for fucking truth. <laughs> Pet Cemetery Two. Now, I came to this one first time viewing last year, actually. So okay. I was pretty new to it. Um, wait, 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 wait. Are you like me in, in that you? you probably saw pits, bits and pieces on TV. Because this is a franchise that, for whatever reason, was on a lot growing up in the 90s. So I, I saw this... Even part two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, why is Edward Furlong trying... Like, they, he was just kind of in a lot in, like, those first... Oh, yeah. Like, post-T2. He was just around a lot. Like, And I remember seeing this, but I don't remember seeing this until until whenever we... 2020 or 2021, whenever the re the remaster came out. That Scream... Yeah, the yeah. Scream Factory... Uh, Shout Fact, Scream Factory Blu-ray came out. That's how I came about it, because I knew it was a gap in my filmography. I had heard kind of mixed things about it, but I know Mary Lambert coming back to mm-hmm. me was yeah. kind of a... a Kind of a main point on that. Do you remember your initial interaction, Eric? I remember fucking loving it the first time I saw it. Like I more than the first one. Like the first time I saw it. It's, yeah. And I think that's kind of what we've seen when we yeah. talk to people about this movie. Because mm-hmm. what's your relationship with the first film? I don't like it. Okay, no, that's fair. You don't like the first yeah. one? Mm-hmm. First you, one hurts wait, my you, heart. Do you like the new one? No. Oh, you don't like do the new you, one. Is the story mm-hmm. just not adaptable to film? I think yeah, I, I think it's that same disease for me as like and there was a rash of them. They're getting better now, but like Stephen King mm. is hard as hell to like yeah. put on yeah. the screen. He's so particular. Good. Like, he, well, but particulars. His, his books are fucking. I, I mean, they're cocaine. Like, like they're fucking <laughs> everywhere. Like, how do you harness that into like this hour and a half movie and make it good? Because he's got like, like the fucking Langoliers. Like, okay, <laughs> like, like, right. like how do you put like they tried? Well, and then you work. have yeah. like studio interference. Like, look what happened with Lawnmower Man. Yeah, yeah. And then going again with the bug fuckery. Look at Sleepwalkers. Dimensional uh, to be fair cat to, vampires. Yeah. To be fair to the studio, hey, I don't know how you film Lawnmower Man. <laughs> like, in, like in a literal sense. Let's get a naked dude out here and have him eat some grass up. <laughs> like, like. 
right? <laughs> Should we turn him into a satyr? No, nah, let's go CG. The, kid, <laughs> the kids love the interwebs. I haven't watched Lawnmower Man in quite some time, and I remember the short story it was yeah. based on. It's nothing. You ever seen Lawnmower Man 2 with Matt Ferrer? Wait, wait, wait. Max Headroom? Yeah. He plays the he plays uh, Lawnmower Man. Oh, the yeah. Jeff Fahey part? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, they say that he got burnt up, so that's why he looks different. And so now he's kind of like a Patrick, where he's like controlling, the, he's the king of the internet. I kind of want to watch it now based on that description. It's Man, weird. I haven't seen Lawnmower Man in a long time, but but this cast makes me want to rewatch it. It's got I Dean Norris. Dean Norris, yeah. Pierce Brosnan and Jeff Fahey. I don't remember this movie at all. Lawnmower Man was whack. I remember, but like, even back then, I'm like, these special effects aren't very special. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was watching an Aerosmith video for a second. <laughs> or there. Dire Straits video, fucking yeah. money for nothing and shit. Like carrying their boxes. <laughs> well, I will say, as, and I think the reason why. better in UHF. <laughs> the reason why people have issues with Pet Cemetery is it's not a fun movie. No. It's no. Dour it's is all good. sad. It made it's, me cry. Yeah, you had probably the worst oh, God. theatrical it, it, experience it hurt with that my one. Heart well, watching Pet Cemetery. At that time in my life, I was reading a lot of Stephen King, so I had already read the book. So it was like as sad as you thought the movie was to me, it was like it didn't pack the punch. The book right. devastated me. Like it was it's dark as hell. Yeah. And like the ending it's, is like hurt. <laughs> King, he he knows how to make some heady material. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is not any. It's not easy, easy reading. No, you have to invest. You have to be focused on it, and I think that's the ch- the challenge we run into in the adaptations. Yeah, is what do you cut out? And maybe those are the little bit of character beats that that's, make. Yeah, that's what it felt like. The first movie feels like it pulls a lot of the punches, and then they add really crazy like main accents for some reason. Yeah. it's just like I couldn't do it. But part two, though, decides, let's take all the nastiness and dourness at it, add a 90s aesthetic. I think it's meaner, though. I think it's a meaner movie. Yeah? I do. I can I can see that. I can actually see it, that. Because, see, is this it, one is... The first one's dealing with trauma and grief. This one's dealing with trauma and grief, but also, like... It's just... Fucking with people. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, like, like, the Clancy Brown character alone is just, like... I, and that's just it. Undead when you, bullies. When you yeah. add Clancy Brown into practically anything... Yeah. It's going to enhance it. Yeah. Whether it makes it better or not is up to question, but it's going to make it memorable. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, going from like a Clancy Brown from a uh, Edward, um, oh, what's his name? Furlong? From, uh, no, no, uh, the Edward uh, Munster. Um, oh, Edward, Eddie Munster? Yeah, no, no, Daddy Munster. And from the first Fred. one. Oh, Fred, Fred Gwynn. Gwyn. Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. Yeah. Gwyn. Oh, we got there. Fred <laughs> Gwynn to Clancy Brown. It's a, it's a good increase, yeah. regardless. Yeah. And. You know, little gauge to Edward and uh, Edward Furlong. Yeah, you know. See, I never had. I was never the biggest Edward Furlong fan. Sometimes he's kind of wooden to fan me. Of Furlong, but not yeah, you. not a fan of Furlong. I'm See, with you. I would have been like, it would have been funnier if he would have got the gauge treatment. Not hit by a car, but when like you know, not <laughs> fair. Bonk. And he falls down. The, yeah, I would like to see Edward Furlong get bonked a couple of times. I was, no, that makes sense. I was strangely uh, like when I rewatched this. Like how similar the beginning of New Nightmare and this movie is with the movie making, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like the mur- the death and all yeah. that. I'm like, this is almost the same opening. It could have been Phantom of Hollywood in a in a roundabout way. I would have also watched that. <laughs> well, I like the fact that they set it initially in a horror view, and Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards in this one as well. Yeah, I know, just yeah, it was just Anthony such Edwards, a, such yeah. a sad sack. And then when you, and then just Clancy Brown 
talking smack on Anthony Edwards. And a, I watched this with my daughter, and she was just like, wait. She was like this super famous actress, and she's married to a veterinarian? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's fair. <laughs> she was an animal lover, you yeah. know, possibly. She's one of those non-Hollywood types. She, okay. falls, she falls for the average <laughs> Joe, right? Yeah. <laughs> It was a Hallmark movie. And it's the, Anthony the, Edwards. The the, the busy uh, Hollywood elite moves to a small town yeah. for a little bit of rest and relaxation. Yeah. Falls in love with a local veterinarian. It's like Doc Hollywood. Yeah. it's, it's It was a Lifetime movie. It's, yeah. it's Pet Cemetery 2, the prequel of it, love is actually like love is love on Main Street. <laughs> but yeah, I th- that's what I <laughs> gathered from this. It's like rewatching it. Like it's. Very 90s. Like, it feels like it's made for television in a lot of ways. Like, it's very, like, you could you could feel the strain of the budget. Of the budget, yeah. Certainly. Mm. Well, that's the other, that, the one thing I really like is the fact that Mary Lambert shows that she can make two totally different oh, kind of films yeah. set within the same universe, or mm-hmm. at least the same franchise, which I think is kind of cool on that side. And I do enjoy that, that they just were like, we're not doing anything from the first one. Nope. Same just, place. Mm-hmm. Just run with yeah. it. Yeah. It's just like, okay, so this guy was an asshole. And we kill them. Let's bury him in a place that, like, so we don't get in trouble. Yeah. So we don't yeah. get in trouble and make him even worse. Let's bury him in the place where the dead comes back and they come back even like more vicious. They just need and Herman Munster there to tell him sometimes. <laughs> and when he goes off and then he kills the the, the mom and the, bu- and and the bully and the kid. With the, with well, the bully the, with a motorcycle. The motor. <laughs> but it's the mom and the kid when he's chasing them by a car that I was like, he. No, I cannot believe this is happening. And he's over there. <laughs> Stunt rocking it and shit. It's Clancy Brown. Yeah, you know, yeah. there can only be great. one Clancy Brown, and thankfully he's the. And what's great with Clancy Brown though is, multi generations will have a reference point for him, mm. whether like younger kids and oh that's the voice of Mr. Krabs. Yeah, and cast like this with Highlander, but he's there's an entry point I think for all aspects from of Krabs that. to Kurrigan. That is good. Is that, that the name of his autobiography? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as much as we like both of these films, only one can advance into the next round. So let's go ahead and ask, which one of these two is closer to your heart? Army of Darkness or Pet Cemetery 2? Adam, what do you say on that? Man, this is this is kind of a little bit more tough than I thought. Because So I didn't see this movie all the way until a year or two ago. Um, lukewarm on the first one. I would say I don't, never really loved it. It's a... Uh, it's just not a very fun movie. And then, you know, like I don't know if I love this. The story's tough, too. I don't know. It's just like a fucking... This, this is, it's not my jam, really. Uh, so, but th- So this one kind of takes the concept and makes it a little bit more like punk rock and silly. Um, I mean, way silly. Like, I mean, you get Clancy Brown, you Blah. just <laughs> blow cocaine to his face and just say... Like, Let's have some fun, uh, and and like the dog is little, you know, uh, is real vicious in this. Uh, it goes from like the cutest dog that would solve crimes with you to like a, a, a wolf hellhound. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it goes to full hellhound. Um, and this is like one of the furlong, other furlong films that I think is actually pretty good. He's pretty good in this. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, like, because I don't have a legacy really with mm-hmm. this movie. So the, the other ones like been like Luke on and off with me. Um, this one's more fresh. Um, wh- are you asking me to cut or, or cut one right now? No, closer to the heart. Closer oh, to the heart. Closer to the heart. Um, uh, I mean, Army of Darkness because it's been with me the longest, right? Um, this one's not been. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't see it till this last couple of years. Um, so it's just you know the time put in. Yep. Army of Darkness has put some time in with me. That That's makes fair. sense. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Eric. 
this conversation. I thought I came in here pretty confident, knew what I was going to say. This conversation. That's mad. That's, <laughs> that's that is mad. mad. It happens all that's the time. That's how we talked about it. We yeah. never know. We go in like, okay, there's no way. Because I was sure, sure as shit going like, he's going to beat Basket Case. Ain't no way. <laughs> and now it's your Basket Case won. So like, you never, you never know. That's the whole beauty of madness. Yeah. And this one, I feel like, I haven't like revisited Army of Darkness like the way you all mm. like seem like you have. So I think oh, I'm going to so break it's, the it's last. Been, it's probably been probably been a decade for me. It's been. I, I don't know. I maybe seen this twice. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's not something that I return to often. Pet Cemetery Two either. Like these were movies from my past that just kind of lived there. Mm-hmm. Like I saw it, and, but like, yeah, I'm like I'm kind of breaking the rule that I did with Candyman because Candyman, I'm like with my eyes now. Yeah, it's a huger movie. And if I do that now, like Army of Darkness is part of this whole franchise and this whole thing. So if I'm going by that, yes, we have to like advance that. But now I'm kind of leaning to little like 15-year-old Eric again. And when he came out of that theater, I th- he really liked this one much more. So I, th- I think I'm gonna, I think I'm sticking. I think like like Pet Cemetery Two is closer awesome. to my heart. Okay. I think love right, it, right love it, love it, genius. Uh, I came to Pet Cemetery Two about what two years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's totally drastically different than the original. But I still have a blast with Army of Darkness. Even though, like I said earlier, it lost some of the luster, I'm still cracking up at the <laughs> and the whole like yeah. uh, Three Stooges skeletons and the whole Ashism and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I'm gonna go Army of Darkness. It's that's it, that's that's my boy. Hey, Greg. Um, so here's a question. Uh huh. So as again, I haven't seen Army of Darkness in ten years, but because the, the reason I haven't seen it is because I didn't really like it, and. Uh, for all the reasons Jay just said he really liked it, makes me think if we're voting right now, I would probably say I, I prefer today Pet Cemetery 2 because all those reasons I don't like it for. I do, <laughs> I'm not a Three Stooges person. I'm not a slapstick. This is comedy. a twist. That's good, though. That is good. Uh, so so if that if that is the question, so closer to my heart is time spent Army of Darkness. I've, I've been with it for, you know, 20-some years. This I've been with two years, um, and but I would gun to my head right now which one you, you're gonna watch one tonight i probably watch Pet Cemetery 2 again because they're both relatively short films mm-hmm. but this movie is just like I think I might have more fun I think more people would I, th- I think people would be more into this as a whole than Army of Darkness I think Army of Darkness has such specific humor that people are gonna be out on that like I think we get 10 random people to watch both these movies I think Army of Darkness probably loses some of those more than this this is more of a clean like it is the Pet Cemetery yeah. story with just like fucking banana shit happening. Sure. Did you nope. just change your? I think I just changed my. That's boat. okay. No, and that's the beauty Oof. of all of this. So that Look totally works. It's drama. I already said my AOD. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I, You're not going to change your vote now. No. No. <laughs> I'm going to um, change my vote. I know. Well, and again, that's what I love about this because I was sitting on Army of Darkness, and only because of the fact that yeah, I did skip school to see it. There's yeah. something to be said for that. Pet Cemetery Two, man, that one I would probably go back to that one if given the choice but because of my connection to that theatrical experience i am going to say army of darkness now going from the heart to the head we're going to ask if you take one of these films away from the year of 1992 which one is going to leave that year poorer so again adam what hey, are you saying there, oh hang on I'm, i have to check one thing real quick so okay, you might we'll have go to go eric on that yeah. side check I'm, your things over there yep <laughs> 
check. Yeah. Okay. It's like our sound uh, man over there behind all the, the monitors. Uh, honestly, I don't feel, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think if either of these movies like disappeared from the zeitgeist, our culture would be any lesser. Like mm-hmm. I think we'd be okay. Mm-hmm. No <laughs> like doubt. No doubt. Like, but. Uh, yeah. I, 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 God, I'm going to sound like an, I'm going to get death threats, but I think like if we lost Pet Cemetery 2, it would be worse. I think like Army of Darkness is part, like it's been revisited kind of in the Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Like we understand that there's been like all this zeitgeist around it. Well, if that Ar- movie's no, wait, gone, hang on. we still hang have on. that universe. Ar- we still have Ash. Yeah, Army of Darkness, Ash vs. Evil Dead does not reference Army of the darkness at the end it kind of does well yes but it is sam raimi said that it does not technically in the same universe whatever that fucking means yeah i don't know but i'm just saying like this universe of evil dead and ash we still have it so if we lose this movie we still have all that beauty yep so if we lose army of darkness we still have all Mm -hmm. of that we still Mm -hmm. have ash we still have all the beauty we leave pet cemetery 2 we uh, we don't have Tom Clancy's or like yeah. Tom Clancy's <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Yes, we don't have very br- strategic. Yeah, we don't have his brain matter and like 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 that with makes that. sense. No, that I'm is showing here. your work, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. I feel nervous. Uh, I was just checking to make sure I knew the correct one is this. So uh, we have t- both movies, both Mary Lambert movies have These are both movies uh, have a Ramon <laughs> song in them. Yeah, uh, and I like both songs. I like the first one a little bit more, but I do like me some Poison Heart. Uh, but more importantly, this has an L7 song featured in it, uh, Shitlist, yeah. which I like quite a bit. I think this movie has a good soundtrack. I think it's got an oak. When you're t- talking Army of Darkness and, and you're talking uh, sc- the score, I, Elfman, that's probably one of his, maybe his more forgettable, especially in a time when he was just banging it out. Like this is probably a lower tier Elfman score for that time, that 10 year span where he was just, why are you going to come after Elfman like that? Well, no, just like uh, all things considered here, right? All things considered. El- this is like one of Rami's probably weakest films. This is one of Elfman's weakest scores. It's a movie that like hasn't aged well for me, even though it's become more, I, I understand it now more as an adult. Doesn't mean I love it. Where, where I come to, to Pet Cemetery two, I would watch that over Pet Cemetery one. Um, it's got a good soundtrack. It's got a very rare, uh, good performance from Eddie Furlong. But more importantly, because <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of bad ones, I think. I, I don't think he, I don't, he's kind of a whiny kid. It's a that's, better that, performance from Furlong. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of a whiny kid. Uh, and then you have uh, Clancy Brown. And, and Clancy Brown's become, like Tony Todd, this big genre figure. Mm-hmm. Especially Tom in the Clancy last like, like the last decade, really, he's, re- he's putting in some work. So I think you lose this movie, you, you lose a big part in his resume in terms of his horror work. Pet Cemetery 2 is where it's going to go. That works. For me. No, that totally works. That totally works. Genius. So I'm going to disagree with everything that they said. <laughs> the exact opposite. One, I think we have um, more Clancy Brown performances mm-hmm. still. Mm. We're gonna, if we take away Pet Cemetery, we're losing a, a decent Edward Furlong performance. If you take away Army of Darkness, you're taking away a lot of people's favorite fucking movie. And I mm. think without the success of Army of Darkness, we wouldn't have Ash vs. Evil Dead. Possibly, we wouldn't yeah. have the remake. Yeah, we would That's still fair. have the first two, mm-hmm. but it was that third well, but one. But the reason we didn't get the fourth one is because this movie bombed. That's true, but it almost took 20 years to bring it back. We The reason why we have the remake of Pet Cemetery is because the, the second one failed. You know what I'm saying? 
Pet Cemetery. The reason why Mary Lambert didn't direct Tales from Ta- Demon Knight is because Pet Cemetery Two failed. I think Pet Cemetery Two is more of a forgettable sequel because of the legacy of, of Part One. I think without Army of Darkness, that's all part of the trilogy. That's all part of Ash's yeah, story. That's fair. You take yeah. that away. So my vote is going for Army of Darkness on this. One. I respect that. Yeah, Good no, points. again, that's Good definitely showing points. the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to piggyback on a lot of what you all just said. Both of these are sequels. Both of them expanded their current franchises, and both are definitely different than the ones that preceded them. But again, no Pet Cemetery 2, you just have the original. No Army of Darkness, you still got mm-hmm. Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And I think because you just have more fun with Pet Cemetery 2 than Army of Darkness, and I, my vote is I got to go with Pet Cemetery 2. Oof. I oh really think that. Even though I'm upsetting a lot of people by taking away Army of Darkness, I just think Pet Cemetery 2 expands more than Army of Darkness. And by a vote of five to three. Oh, wow. Tight. Making its way into the round of the Hateful Eight. Oh, he's walking away. Mary Lambert and Pet Cemetery 2. So please, everybody, send your angry emails to the Nightmare Hour and, and to Greg. Greg. Oh, wow. All right. So it, and it, we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah, which means <laughs> oh, in the wow. round of the Hateful Eight, we are going to be talking Candyman going up against Pet Cemetery 2. And we're going to be joined from Andy from the Debates on Tap podcast for that. So again, I cannot thank you both enough for taking your time out, for joining us here in the mouth of March Madness. And again, where can our listeners find you guys? We are the Nightmare Hour podcast, and you can find us anywhere podcasts are purchased. And Wait, we get money for this? Oh no, no. <laughs> but I was hoping that somebody might send okay. send us a like snail mail or something. We don't have an address, but uh, but you can email us at nightmarehourpod at gmail.com. Perfect. And again, thank you guys so much for taking the time thank for this. this thank fun. you. I did not know where I was going to go with this. I'm surprised at myself. Part of the madness. I honestly thought Army of Darkness was going to come out. On I thought top it was. Of just, this. I literally said I picked these four because it was the easiest to decide between the two groupings. What they were going <laughs> to because I was like in my head. You you just asked me like walking by me, those those two and those two. I'm like, yeah, Army of Darkness and Candyman. Honestly, yeah. I could have sworn Army of Darkness would have gone. Yeah, yeah. I did too. I did too. Dark Horse pushing in. That being said, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Andy from the Debates on Tap podcast to see which film, Candyman or Pet Cemetery 2, is going to be representing 1992 in the round of the Frightful Four. We'll be back. gang we are back and as we go from the round of the scream 16 into the round of the hateful eight let us again thank both adam and eric Mm -hmm. from the nightmare hour podcast and let us say goodbye farewell and adieu to both dr giggles and army of darkness and I'm surprised. I, well, I'm already. I'm, sh- I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little shocked. I'm. I'm a little. Yeah, that's all part of the madness. I'm anticipating some hate less than favorable. Yeah, a little bit of angry bits out on there. Mm-hmm. Well, genius. As one door closes, yet another one opens, and this time we're staying local. Mm-hmm. As our next guest, uh, quite honestly, I think he is 
he was he and his podcasts were made for Into the Mouth of March Madness because it's very rare where we really kind of debate mm-hmm. or at least show our work. Well, this, our particular guest here, uh, his podcast, not only do he and his co-host, Brennan and Brian, they drink, they argue, and they sometimes win on the show, but they always have an opinion or two, and they always back up their work. Uh, please welcome to both Nightmare Junkhead and Into the Mouth of Marches for the first time from the debates on tap and the Onslaught podcast, Senior Vargas. Hey, fellas, what's going on? How are you doing? What's up, dude? Uh, I I think there's a lot of people from my past, from from my childhood, people that knew me in high school specifically, that would never believe that I would be on a podcast that started with the words, goodbye, army of darkness. (laughs) Right. If you want to go ahead, instead of a tweet, instead of social media, do you want to go ahead and bash us right now? I don't, I'm not going to bash you. I, I know that there, you know. This is this is a bracket. There are Cinderella stories out there. There are upsets out there every year. And I know that this is this is probably one of them. Well, the worst part is people are going to think we have something against Sam Raimi because the very first year in 2017 in the first round, Evil Dead went out. Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 2, 2 went out in the first round. Yikes. Exactly. Yikes. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is we fought for it. It's just sometimes that's how the card who did it who beat it? Do you remember? I couldn't even tell you. But well, we know that the winner was um at the Dream end of the day, it was Dream Warriors. From from nineteen eighty seven. It was a strong year. Interesting that you can't remember who beat it. But we still know who <laughs> lost. lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and we we get I don't want to say it's like survivor's guilt, yeah, but we get that remorse mm-hmm. over some of the films that are lost in all of that. Yeah, the terrible upsets. Right. Yeah, it is rough. So my apologies as an Army of Darkness fanboy. That's okay. You know, I'm I'm still here. I'm having a good time. And had it been any other day, though, you may have been on here to talk debate and talk with Army us Army as well. Darkness, right. Well, now, and talk about biased. I I would not have been able to be objective about that at all. See. This is why you're here now right. mm-hmm. to talk these two films of which, thankfully, I know one was a first time viewing for you. Correct. And one was kind of going to an older. Kind yeah. Of classic. Oh, one was a definite revisit. Excellent. So. Excellent. So before we get into that, please tell our listeners uh, where can they find you at on social media? Plug and promote away. Sure. Uh, so, y- yes, I am the host of uh, Debates on Tap and The Onslaught. Uh, we have shows every Monday and Wednesday, one for debates, one for Onslaught. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Debates on Tap. You can find me personally at Just a Vargas. If you want to tweet all your hate at me, I'll take it. And it Army will of Darkness o- love. It will only make me stronger. You may cut me down, but three more will take my place. Yeah, exactly. Hail Hydra, all that. So, ah. so it should be noted, you and Genius there share something in common in that you both are kind of like the hardest working people in podcasting. You both co-host multiple shows. Sure. Which I know for you is you are constantly planning and doing something, scheduling. Yeah. yeah. So first and foremost, where did the two shows come from, um, especially, and how did one come from the other? Oh man. Uh, so Brian and I actually met each other uh, through our love of heavy metal. Onslaught came first. Uh, we hosted a show in college on college radio, the Onslaught. So we brought that back from the dead this year as the onslaught podcast nice uh debates on tap started as the three of us me brian and brennan sitting around at a bar arguing about the random bullshit that you argue are when you're sitting you know well Mm -hmm. could a lightsaber cut through captain america's shield 
I don't know. Could it? Well, let's yell about it until we get kicked out. That's the podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm pro vibranium at this point. I was going to say, but... I could vibrate, could be cut by Possibly. Could vibranium. I know yeah. that like adamantium is not as strong as vibranium. So a lightsaber could totally cut through an adamantium, but. And that's exactly the whole point of the podcast, right? Well, is the lightsaber laying on the shield or is it striking the shield that those are the hairs we split every Monday? See, now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm thinking of like. A Sith Lord versus Cap. Uh huh. Well, I will say that'd be rad. I totally see <laughs> oh, no. Darth Maul versus yeah. fucking Ray Park versus uh, Chris Evans. You'd watch that movie, right? Fuck all day long. <laughs> Which means you know, in like three years, we're gonna have that movie. The way everything is falling seriously, in it's on all itself. Disney, so yeah, it totally finally. could. You know, if Disney ever wanted to have like a Super Smash Brothers type thing, dude, that would be insane. It'd be insane. Patent, patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> Got to get the money, right? <laughs> They have all the IPs. That's right. It's Papa Disney. Come on now. They already own it. The, the minute we've... We haven't even put ha, this out on the air. Everything you love is mine. Ha ha. Ha. Fuck your childhood. Ha Hey, you know, it's a, it's a four-way fight. You throw those two plus an alien queen. That's right? true. Ooh. Ver- versus Mickey Mouse. There it is. The man himself. There's your Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, seriously, because in Kingdom Hearts, you already go to like Pirates of the Caribbean world and Big Hero 6 and Big Hero 6 is Marvel. So theoretically, if they ever did a new Kingdom Hearts game or a Smash Brothers, it would fucking break everything. I would totally want to put like the Hulk against Beast. I would want to like from Beauty and the Beast. I would have like (laughs) I would have like fucking Doctor Strange versus like the wizard from Fantasia. That'd be rad as fuck. Yeah. Ah, oh, now when the wizard from Fantasia, though, when he pulls up his massive right, it's like his special attack is just a thousand brooms coming after you, or uh, fucking Mephisto versus uh, I guess it's called Bauhaus, the mean demon in Fantasia with the nine on bald mountain. Like, yeah. that'd be sweet. That'd I'm be not rad. I'm not a modern gamer, but. I might buy a modern gaming system yeah. to do right? that. Right? How come yeah. Disney doesn't have the fighting game right now? They have all the fucking IPs we love. You could have little Grogu versus Stitch. Dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a Grogu main. I got to say it. I'm a Grogu main. <laughs> oh. Anything practical, I'm good with. And yeah. he's always practically practical regardless. <laughs> so I'm. Uh, here's my problem, though, is we're just getting... All of the same toys in the same sandbox, and I used to like it when I had to go to other sandboxes to play with certain toys. Uh, I'm just afraid at cert- at a certain point, it's just all going to belong big to Disney. Disney. Yeah. yeah. Oh, d- the once, blob. Once, uh, the blob, yeah. once Disney acquires Warner Brothers, right? It's just game it's over. Curtains. It, it is. It's curtains. It is. It's curtains. And I know there's so many people out there, and I think it is a younger generation that has grown up in this kind of a, a universe as it is, this shared thing. That's just what they expect. That's yeah. what they've grown mm-hmm. accustomed to. So, I, Meanwhile, we're growing up. We had to wait until uh, Predator 2 to see any hints of Aliens versus Predator. No kidding. No kidding. And I remember losing my shit when I saw the Alien Queen on the Alien versus Predator 2 set. Yeah. It was It was kind of grand. It was kind of grand. And any time that... Can you throw out me a, a little King Willie there? <laughs> they say you be offering me favors. That Mickey Mouse... He from the other side. <laughs> no stopping what can't be stopped. Ha! <laughs> no killing what can't be killed. Ha! <laughs> it's like having all my own personal soundboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, the best part is like going between that Statham and then Ian McShane. You right? just got this. Really yeah. Next weird... thing you know, one of the sta- one of the stations, you got to find a megalodon. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is the kind of stuff that you would hear ultimately on debates on tap, but more importantly on the onslaught. Yeah. Because I am also very much more of an old school heavy metal fan. Yeah, man. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. I'm a fan of Maiden. Dude, who isn't? I know. Come I on. know. I know. Does Maiden get hate? Maiden occasionally gets some weird. Why does Maiden get hate? I'm, we're still doing the genius, the education of genius McGee, and I'm digging Maiden. And that's the thing. I've been able to introduce genius into a number of elements of metal and kind of just given him the basic 101. Yeah. Uh, exploring the big four, uh, going into like Exodus's uh-huh. category. But I'm not a new school metal fan. Sure. So that's why I appreciate the Odyssey because you yeah. guys very much are talking and usually looking at two bands, looking at their catalog yep. and debating yeah. and leaving it out though to the audience as well, yeah, which you, is the best part. Audience has to vote. Yes. We we are uh, unbiased in, in, our, in our debates, I'll say. And I will say this, you guys have gotten into some music. I probably everything that you're, going into is new to me because again i'm just not up to that but just looking at some of the logos on those and i know there's the running joke that you know the better the metal band is the more indecipherable the logo is oh yeah if you can't read it i'm I'm gonna listen to it yeah absolutely Uh, ty today was actually wearing some sort of band logo thing i think that was like a brewery t-shirt though of course it was of course legit right like (laughs) god damn it god damn it but needless to say i'm digging the format of both of those excellent Again, it comes down to the chemistry of the host. You yeah. can tell you guys are friendly. Oh, and yeah. You like going back and forth with each oh, other. Oh, yeah. The the only thing we do, even off air, is <laughs> argue about bullshit. So <laughs> that's cool. That, I mean, it's important to be friendly because, like, that's why my uh, McGee Aster podcast didn't work because <laughs> we weren't friendly. Sure. Well, I would also just add, you know, you and Dustin on Media Rewind, you know, they've got. 30 years of friendship that yeah. they're pulling from and you can you know hear it in the episodes but it's also it's good to just have a chance to hang out with people that you enjoy and talking stuff that you and love yeah. to talk about exactly mm-hmm. so that's just beautiful now as a first-time guest here on the show uh-huh. something we always ask a first-time uh, person is what is it that got you into horror your you know your horror origin was yeah it a movie a moment a relative a book but was it, what was it that made you go, horror is something I can kind of seek my teeth into? Your crime alley. The crime yeah. Alley, yeah. Oh, my crime alley. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so for for me, my musical evolution, my horror movie evolution, they were both uh, long processes. Um, as a kid, I was I was really sick. Uh, I, I literally spent an entire month like uh, at home away from school. So mom would go to Blockbuster <laughs> every day and rent me like two or three movies. So one of the things that I was always drawn to was monster movies. So Jaws, mm-hmm. Godzilla, mm-hmm. Ghidorah, you know, all that stuff. That's what really got me into it. And then from there, it was like, okay, you know, more action, RoboCop, uh, Predator, eventually Alien, yep. right? And then from there, it's it's all downhill, right? You get into the, your Evil Deads, your Army of Darkness, your all that. That stuff. wonderful floodgate opens up. Yeah, exactly. So your gateway drug was technically through Blockbuster, then, just in terms of accessing. That was the main line. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, I actually, so yeah, this was middle school, eighth grade. I was, you know, whatever, twelve or thirteen, um, that I spent an entire month watching movies. Oh, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. An entire month on a couch with my dog eyes glued to a tv right which is not good i do not recommend that for anybody but yeah that opened the floodgate for me um and then eventually my first job was at blockbuster and it was the best job i ever had 
uh, fucking working at Blockbuster is grand. It was my favorite job. Worked there twice. I yeah. loved it so much. It was so good. It was so, so good. Because all you have to do is like do the customer service thing, check people out, and then talk about movies. All day long. That's it. And they come up and like, is this movie good? No, that movie sucks. Yeah. This movie rocks. Yeah. You should go check out Alien 3, but don't get the theatrical cut. You need go to get the, the director's cut. And it seems like, strangely enough, that it's a bygone era. It is. Yeah. They don't exist anymore. No. And again, we've got another generation of movie fans out there that don't know the beauty and the anticipation yeah. of going to your local video store and going through the aisles and just the beauty of the cover art and how it brought you in. And then the human it's, interaction again, like, oh, is this one a good yeah, one or yeah. have you seen this one? Because you can't ask Netflix if this is a good one. Right. The you, algorithms are just so impersonal. You needed a Vargas. You needed a genius to point you in the, to be part of your education. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it's, really did help because, I mean, there's still some people. I remember uh, telling movies to Super Cat Chick mm-hmm. and like, hey, this one is a good one. That one's a good one. Don't fuck with that one you know so yeah there's something special about that you know this is one thing we we actually just talked about on debates on tap is how extreme people's opinions have gotten recently with the advent of the internet you know everything is either the best movie that's ever come out or the worst piece of shit that's ever been put to film well the truth is somewhere in the middle as it always is Mm -hmm. you can't get that nuance on the internet no Mm -mm. that's something you have to get from a face-to-face conversation with somebody you lose a lot of nuance and context and just everything in between online but that's where the discourse right. is yeah right because everything is the worst piece of shit they've ever seen or the best things in sliced yeah. fucking bread exactly it's it, the internet is full of hyperbole yeah and it's hard to cut through the treacle exactly and of course then again like what we're seeing on the bracket it could be that specific day where oh that movie is shit next time you watch it this oh. movie is fucking great well, and so yeah sometimes you got to watch a movie two or three times before it, you get it mm-hmm. oh, right mm-hmm. and I, I didn't get society <laughs> for like the first three times i watched it at the same time adrian's tour still doesn't get society for the millionth time we've ever <laughs> subjected it to him nor is mount baldy it's society you didn't have to genius you didn't have to that was not prompted adrian dustin that was all genius I that was I'll, I'll take that one I'm, my bad guys three times though you've gone for the shunting yeah that's impressive well, that's well, impressive yeah it was like the third time i watched it and, and you know somebody had to like explain some stuff like what is this movie that's what's cool about horror though is it can be very heady yeah or it can just be some of the most basic lowest common denominator right rubbish but everyone loves every bit of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's great is I definitely think in terms of what has come out of the year of 1992 here in the round of the hateful eight is we've got a great example of and anytime I guess with Clive Barker, I just the word I always think is adult. Mm-hmm. Just sure. Just, yeah. I feel like either I need an adult in the room or no, that'd make it even more awkward. potentially. <laughs> yeah, right. But just every a very adult adult, adult scenarios and situations. <laughs> and then just something that is just bug effery on the other side with pet cemetery too mm-hmm. so guest first here uh which one shall we talk first um you know let's talk about Candyman first because this was this was a revisit for me okay even better that being said by any chance do you remember your initial interaction with Candyman? uh what's your kind of relationship with Candyman and the franchise you know yeah so Candyman definitely goes back to that period where i was on the couch forever for me um you can only get through so many like jaws movies before you start diving in right and this was one of those movies right so i think i watched like Candyman one two and three you know like 
back to back straight up. Um, it, it was only, I think after rewatching the remake and then coming back to the original as like a fully functioning member of society that I got it right. Cause this is not a movie that if you just watch as a casual horror fan that you're going to digest and really understand the nuances of without that, I don't know what you call it, the the adult nature of Mm -hmm. being, you have to be a person, you have to, you have to interact with society to understand Candyman. You have to have some experience to yeah. understand yeah. a lot of Clive Barker material. There's For a sure. there's a lot of stuff where you won't really and we talked about not not just Clive Barker but a lot of horror that you just don't get connect until you, at least you've had a couple of heartbreaks in you. Yeah, well, yeah. or you know, a drunken night or something. Yeah. You know, right? Like, there's something that clicks with you <laughs> and eventually you'll get it. Well, and I think also this is why these movies after gaining that experience and then all of a sudden it just completely changes the way you view it for some of those movies back in the day, I remember watching them younger and just like just being bored to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now just being totally engaged with them. And it just changed a little, you know, uh, experience and perception. Well, yeah. It's weird because we look at Candyman now and he's a slasher icon. I wouldn't call the first Candyman a slasher movie really at all. I mean, it's a slow, methodical burn when it, compared to slashers. I mean, there's a good body count and there's a deep, dark story, but it's not pieces. You know, it's, it's it's far more akin to a haunted house movie, mm. like a gothic horror exactly, haunted house exactly. movie. Exactly, a gothic romantic, yeah, anti-hero type. Not not even because he's a candy man, but at the same time, it's not your slasher fare. Yeah, there's a lot more romance yeah. going in. There's a lot more like love. It's way more House on Haunted Hill, not the the remake the original way more house on haunted hill than it is friday the 13th and yeah and i'll, I'll go back i'll go to bat for both of the for house on haunted hill Me you too. know the og and the remake i will too but one is different from the other to put it lightly <laughs> just a little just a little i the, anytime though you add jeffrey rush exactly a good sure. shiny mcshinerton yeah, yeah. absolutely shiny <laughs> Now, as someone that does enjoy genre, though, so going outside of horror, were you familiar with Tony Todd outside of Candyman? Not at all. Okay. So he is, he's Candyman. He's Candyman. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because that's the one thing, looking back, even just over his IMDb, looking at the breadth of films that he's been in and like the filmmakers he's worked with, I always forget that he's worked with like these prestige guys like Oliver Stone mm-hmm. uh, multiple times. And, and Michael Bay. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah. Wait, he was in the Rock, yes. wasn't he? Yeah, oh. he was. He, he's uh-huh. the Rocket Man. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're gonna go go back to his IMDb because you're gonna. It's wild. Whoa. Like I did not know he was in that. Oh, holy shit! He was in that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's. I mean, he even has the you know the bit part in the first Hatchet, and then he shows up bigger in Hatchet Two. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's just a guy. He brings that level of gravitas and respect, and he loves to act. He loves to work. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, it, from uh, what Adam Green has mentioned, he's very hands-on when it comes to putting together his character and his role. Like, he will literally, literally touch everything on set to try to figure out how he's going to interact with it. So he's, like, super methodical sure. and just very serious and somber. And you can kind of see it in his performance because, as you said, Candyman, he's, he's got, there's pathos to him. Mm-hmm. You feel bad for him. 
you you also don't want him to necessarily keep killing the way he is. But yeah. he's also romantic. He's also as 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 intimidating he is. There's something charismatic and drawing about of him. Of course, you know yeah. he's a well dressed individual. Debonair. Yeah, that jacket in and of itself, with the, man. With the, the, the fucking pimp coat with the fur collar. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude, that's slick. And he with his ska pants. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, to to appeal to the kids, right? He was. Killmonger 25 years before Killmonger, right? Ooh. Actually, that totally works. Right? And he's kind of even kind of cooler than Killmonger. Oh, he's 100% cooler, yeah. Because he's Candyman. And that's just it. It's the the drawl. It is. You may not know Tony Todd, but you know his face or you know Know his voice. Yeah. It is. You know his voice. And good God, just what a voice. We we met him over at, was it Crypticon? Yeah. A few yeah, years ago. And I haven't been really starstruck by a lot of people. Um, Jim Kelly made me a little starstruck. Sure. Uh, Tommy Wiseau made me just feel a little weird. <laughs> oh, hi, Greg. <laughs> but Tony Todd was one of those cats that I was just like, hi, Mr. Todd. And I was like, have you been to the Kansas City Jazz Museum? It just felt like it was like a little 13-year-old kid voice yeah. breaking. And he's, and he's just like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, this and that. And just, Cool dude, cool yeah. dude, yeah. And it, but uh, our friend Jill uh, met him at a convention. She's got a great shot of him standing behind her in a mirror. Oh yeah. Which, good question. Yeah. Are you a superstitious man? I wouldn't say I'm superstitious. I'm a little stitious. Would you? <laughs> Is that to assume? <laughs> say his name five times in a mirror. How long has it been since I watched the movie? You know what I mean? That's that's the... Has it been six months? Yeah, I'll say it in the... Me- Am I coming right out of the theater? Uh, probably just going to go home. <laughs> You're a smart man. Yeah. <laughs> a gambling man. Um, were you familiar at all with uh, Virginia Madsen before Candyman? I will say no. Okay. If you can... And I, I haven't watched this movie in a while, so I don't know if it's good or not, or if it holds up. Sure. I remember this old HBO original movie with her and William Peterson called Long Gone. Okay. Uh, it's an old baseball flick. Genius, have you heard of that one at all? Uh-uh. Okay. Can't Long tell gone. you if it's any good or not, but she is fantastic in it. Okay. And Sideways. Uh, she showed up in Sideways. Oh. With Paul Giamatti. With Paul Giamatti, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was the that was the the waitress that he was forlorn over. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Yeah, totally. Like it's <laughs> It's Helen. Again, another she was one. in The Prophecy, the original with Christopher with Walken. Christopher, oh, that's right. Talk about a movie. It's been forever since I've watched. I saw that in the theater. Me too. I've revisited since then. I re- think it hold up because uh, uh, Viggo Morgenstein is, uh, plays the Lucifer, does he not? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah. Dude, that's... I know what I'm watching when I get home. Exactly. <laughs> that's, See, that's she was the in the original Dune. Yeah, she's the princess. She's mm-hmm. Zendaya. Or is Prophecy. It? been years but not the prophecy with the bear no that's different right right that's right it's different. different movie she was in hot to trot with dabney coleman and uh bobcat goldway <laughs> classic that classic bobcat vehicle she was and, in the quickening greetings highlander god now here, here's the problem now you're going through like hbo's greatest hits at this point yeah yeah, yeah with yeah. a lot of her stuff because i haven't watched any of those since hbo and that would have been back when overland park Stanley, Kansas was still can't Stanley, Kansas, not Overland Park, Kansas. So you're taking me back to a time machine there. Okay, let's get back in to Candyman here. Sweets for the sweet. Yeah. You mentioned hey, the remake. Candyman, bitch. The... Here's the problem. 
to regale him of your interaction with Tony Todd. So when we met Tony Todd at the at, at the convention, he's like, "What would you like for me to sign for you?" And I'm like, <laughs> "And I'm like, I'm such a huge fan. I mean, everything you did between Sushi Girl and Night of the Living Dead, but I got to get something from Candy Van. Excellent. What would you like for me to write on there?" And I go, "It's I got It's my favorite line of the whole movie." Is it what good for blood if not shedding? I'm like, no. What's your favorite? My favorite line is, I hear you're looking for candy man, bitch. <laughs> right? And he goes, but I don't even say that line. And I go, I know, but I it's know. my favorite line. Can you like say it and write it? And he goes, I hear you're looking for candy man, bitch. <laughs> and so he wrote it down. And he goes, I hear you're looking for candy man, bitch. Well, you found him. Tony Todd. <laughs> It's fucking rad. That is rad. And I don't know if maybe you're the only one that has requested that particular line. Sure. But it definitely it just, perplexed him. It, it did. It threw him off his guard. And like, but I, it's the line that stuck with me out of the whole fucking movie. Yeah. He looking for Candyman, bitch. It just cracked me up. It just made me giggle. That's what I always said. Is I, if I ever got the chance to meet Stan Lee, of course I won't now. But I'm I'm gonna get a Batman comic signed, right? Because like. Who else has a Batman signed by Stan Lee? It's like it's like when he's in The Simpsons. He's like, "Oh, you know what this Batmobile needs? Something fantastic!" And he tries to he shove, shove the thing, the in, thing it. Yeah. in it. There you go. <laughs> Roundabout way to get our Simpsons reference in. There. Yeah, yeah, we'll reel it back in. I'm surprised the can- Tony Todd hasn't been on The Simpsons as Candyman. Bart. <laughs> what good is for hams if not steaming? <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up. Is we that, got the line. Is that Caprini Green back there? Yes. Can I see it? No. <laughs> for the next Treehouse of Horrors, if this doesn't happen at this, you know I how told bad you my, that is? I told you my Treehouse of Horrors episode, right? Uh, I don't think you've laid out at least not on air. Oh, I don't know if I wanted to put in the ether, but it's... <laughs> It's uh, Silence of the Neds, and it's basically so oh, no. Ned Flanders is Buffalo Bill, and right, oh. and then like, oh, oh no. no, and then, and then, oh, and then later on the scene where it's like he's hey, where it's of the 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 main scene where Goodbye Horses isn't playing in the background, he's over there. Would you ding dong diddly do me? I ding dong diddly do me. I ding dong diddly do me so hard, right? And he's got the whole fruit basket where he's tucked, but there's a little bit of like pixelation on the side of his knee because it's Flanders, and he's over sitting there doing the whole Buffalo Bill thing. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Was she a great big fat person? Right, you know. Was she was she hefty diddly diddly? You know, and just was she a lefty? Right. <laughs> Would you do me? I ding dong diddly do me. I ding dong diddly do me so hard. You know, just white wine spritzer. It pushed the gosh dang lotion on its gosh dang skin. Put the gosh dang lotion in the biddly basket. The biddly basket. Don't hurt Rod and Todd. They're precious. <laughs> yeah, they're the they're ones precious. that fall in there. I hurt my freaking leg. Right? And then like, take another step and I'll X them. You know, and just like, oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> when he, he's like, you're about a size 14. <laughs> you wish. Boonk. Right? And then just like, and Patty and Selma are the ones in the pit, right? Right, exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've totally derailed your podcast, and I'm so no, sorry about it. No, this is par for the course, <laughs> which is appropriate given the nature of what we just did today. Silence of the Meds. Which, congratulations, you guys, uh, on a, a fantastic little uh, fundraiser for Hope House today. Hey, thanks. Uh, apparently, we, we don't have the final numbers, obviously, but apparently we were over a thousand bucks. Hey, nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
That is awesome, man. Since it was an honor to be a part of that. Yeah. It was an honor to, that it, you guys invited us to it's do It's so great that you guys came out. Oh, we had a blast. And mm-hmm. again, looking forward to being bigger and better next year. That's what I want to hear. Continuing to grow on. Uh, now, <laughs> Maybe man, we'll we, play the Disney Smash for next year. Yeah, there it is. Out it. Is that Charlie and her bone up there that I'm hearing? It's probably me with my eyes. It's, no, no, no. It's it's yeah, that's her hearing about. It's it's Charlie her Baltimore. Her okay, um, the Philip Glass score. Yes. How did that affect you? Um, it is, I'll say iconic, <laughs> right? Like, if you played it for me, I would not be able to say, "Oh, that's from Candyman," but you couldn't have the Candyman movie without the score. It's uh, but that OG one still just. Fuck, if I ever, so if I ever was just walking down a hallway and all of a sudden I heard the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, fuck that yeah. noise, or fuck all that noise. A group of kids doing the ha-la-ha-la, that yeah. genius. <laughs> Holy shit! You kind of had an experience like that with the Halloween theme, did you not? It, yeah, it totally was. So I'm walking down the hallway in college. This was a few years ago. A few years ago. <laughs> I'm walking down, and it's one of those ones where the lights are go on and off by themselves. Sure. So, like, I'm walking down the hallway, and all of a sudden the lights just poof, just go dark, and I hear somebody in the piano. And I thought I was all alone. I'm like, fuck. And so I kept trying to go. And like, I'm walking and the lights are disappearing behind me and appearing in front of me. And and then I turn over and there's just this dude just playing the piano. Oh, I didn't know anybody. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You knew. I just just kept going. He knew. I scared the piss out of me. But (laughs) at least he kept it carpenter and not glass. Right. Because for real. And when we used to have that music in the background for our promo, it always gave me the shivers like before the show because like it's such a creepy fucking song. It it is one of those tracks that you want in a horror movie, but it's not something like it's not a John Carpenter track where I'm going to put it on to casually listen to. to, right? Right. I'll I'll drive down the street listening to Escape from L.A. Yeah, or Escape from New York, right? Or from like or like I, I would totally just roll down. Doom, 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 yeah, doom, 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 right. But I don't know if I would be like rolling around. It's just yeah. it's it's not the ice cream man music you want to be hearing as they go through your neighborhood. Pew, pew. It's, oh. No, not Vanilla Twist. It, no, yeah, that's you're you're right. That would be assault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other thoughts on Candyman before we head on over to Pet Cemetery too. Um, so again, this was a revisit for me, and I think if there's anybody out there who is in my chair, where you watched it in high school because you were super into horror or whatever, and you've grown up a lot since then, if it's been ten or fifteen years, it's a hundred percent worth a rewatch. I mean, it was a totally different movie from what I even had in my head did the, like did the effects and everything still hold up for you it held i mean it held up for me you know you're going into a movie that's you know 30 years old or whatever so you have to you have to give it something but yeah i mean it it was shocking it was still terrifying and with the political climate that the world is in today it it hits so much differently yeah oh yeah and i'm gonna hold off onto that because that's gonna tie into stuff i'm going to be talking about later as well sure uh when it comes to the longevity of the film um no i agree and we get into the whole prescient thing i'm making sure oh xander berkeley Sa- i don't know professional sad sack xander <laughs> berkeley put upon white guy just supreme from this to terminator 2 to just a number of films him and lily taylor need to make the saddest movie of all time <laughs> just the saddest oh. 
Wow. Fucking professional sad sacks. <laughs> That's. <laughs> and then they have like the little kid Barry Keoghan, another sad sack. Oh yeah. yeah. He he was in the Batman movie. Oh wasn't yeah. That? He was unnamed Arkham prisoner. One of those guys. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yes. But yeah. we, we all know what that. his name was. Oh uh, yeah. Oh. Yes. We okay. all know what his name okay. is. Okay. That's the crusty, the texture. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 It's Kite Man. Yes. We do live in a great age where Kite Man has been referenced, Calendar Man has been referenced. I'm waiting for Condiment King. That's my hope. Peacemaker Season 2, James Gunn, reach out. Vargas is going to play Condiment King. That's funny. I got got my ketchup and my mustard gun ready to go. Now, (laughs) Now, in this day and age, though, you do need a sriracha ketchup to make sure you're being down with the cool kids. That's the cod piece, baby. That's the... Oh. Oh gosh, that's the spicy. You're the Boom. no, you're the remake. You're the spicier. You're yeah. the you're the more in your face condiment. King. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The gritty reboot of Condiment King. Mm-hmm. He's got sriracha ketchup, and he's got that like uh, uh, fair trade relish and shit. <laughs> yes, all natural mayonnaise. Yeah, ew. That's not what I meant by oh. all natural mayonnaise. <laughs> it's just what came out of my mouth. Ew. ew. <laughs> Stop. I can't help it. Just just let James Gunn reel it in. He'll yeah. do his magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you really want to do? You really want to taste it? Do, 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 do. Yeah. You get it. You guys get it. We do live in a pretty grand age, though, again, just in terms of the kind of the crazy content that we're getting. Because I don't watch a lot of TV shows, but I watched all of Peacemaker. And oh, yeah. Really dug it. Really good dug stuff, it. stuff, man. Between that and that Harley Quinn cartoon, fucking DC is killing it. Yeah, DC's okay. killing the small screen. Yeah, yeah, they are. Well, back to the big screen. Let's go back to Candyman. Candyman. Candy man. <laughs> I mean, so, the movie is it, just gorgeous. Some of the shots in that are just stunning. The earth, And I know it's kind of problematic because they're actually hypnotizing Virginia Madison in this oh, movie. Man. But, like, some of the shots where she's just, like... In his trance, she's just so ethereal and beautiful. And then you have the juxtaposition of this, the beauty with the haunting score in the background and Candyman's deep gravitas voice saying, together we will shed the blood of the innocent. And it's just like, ooh, it's sexy and scary and like all these things, all these weird emotion gumbo. Candyman is just a significantly powerful movie to this day. You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because they're... For a, for a 90s movie, backing out our scope just mm-hmm. a little, for a 90s movie, you did not get a lot of that, Mm-mm. right? No. You had that stuff in the 60s with, like, the Italian Giallo stuff, right? right? That was super into it. You had... A, it lost some of that kind of deep message stuff in the 70s, but, yeah, this was a movie that brought back a lot of that beautiful cinematography, the the gravitas that a scene can bring to ostensibly a slasher movie and, and the gothic romance you don't see mm-hmm. a lot of gothic yeah. romance every nowadays especially in the 90s and 2000s yeah for sure and the 80s well, look i mean look at the the movie that Candyman bested in the first round you know yeah francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula right yeah. that's more horny than romantic but at the same time there's some romance in that one too yeah that is fair that is fair well let's head on over then uh to a uh, ground that is soiled with Pet Cemetery 2, and I can't really think of a more contrasting film in terms of the adult nature of Candyman and the prescient questions it's raising and going into. Because this one's more fun. This I mean, one, this one is significantly more fun than Candyman. I mean, it's definitely lighthearted. 
in a, in a mean way. Very, very much so. Uh, so you mentioned this was your first viewing. This was. This was my first viewing of the classic Edward Furlong show. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't knock the kid because he just had the the misfortune of growing up on the big screen yeah. and going through puberty on the big screen and then just having all these expectations thrown at him. He he had a nice little run there, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, Terminator 2. You can't. He's Edward Furlong. He, I mean, his yeah. best friend was Budnick. I mean, in Terminator 2. You yeah. can't knock him for that one. I'll even give a lot of love for a brain scan. Yeah. Oh sure. Oh yeah. With, With Trickster. Trickster? Yeah. yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, but do you? Were you? Uh, have you seen the original Pet Cemetery before oh, yeah. this? Okay. Oh, definitely. In fact, since it's based on Stephen King franchise, are you a fan of the King? Oh, big time, big time. I uh, one of my first book reports when I moved to Missouri in eighth grade was on Carrie, and the teacher thought my mom wrote it for me. <laughs> because, because I did Carrie, and everybody else did Harry Potter nine or whatever. Like. <laughs> this book report's gonna scare the hell out of you. Yeah, that's act. That's, that's pretty rad. That is a that's actually setting your brand early, and then just staying the course since then. Yeah, uh, the original Pet Cemetery. Then, have you read the book? I have. Okay, I have read the book. Um, are you a fan of the movie itself? Yeah. Okay. I I think it transfers fairly well. You you get some of that. Well, we have to turn this into a popcorn movie. You get some of that that's lost in the book mm-hmm. the book's a little more nuanced the movie's a little more popcorn but yeah it's a fine movie right it's, and you get the iconic scene of the the achilles tendon oh under the mm-hmm. bed i know right that's yeah. that's the scene everyone out just winced yeah <laughs> although i think we're definitely in this i think puts us in a bad light but we definitely share a little bit of humor in gauge the actor when he stumbles and he actually falls back and hits his Boom. head yeah and they kept it in the movie? Yeah. Not fair, Daddy. <laughs> bonk. It's that bonk that just gets him giggling. And uh, we don't condone that necessarily, but it is kind of funny. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Of course it is. Uh, the sequel, uh, not the sequel, the um, the remake. Yeah. What Did you see that one? I did. What did you think? Um, I thought it was good as a movie. Mm-hmm. It Was it as good as... The original is it is it a better adaptation than the original Pet Cemetery movie? I don't know. It seems like they were shooting for sequel potential. Like they were trying to start a franchise, obviously. They were trying to get the fact that, oh, this this town is more invested in the Pet Cemetery than oh, this is kind of a one off story about the Pet Cemetery. Am I Am I totally yeah, I can off see base here? I, I, no, okay. not at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I it's, thought it was fine enough. So that's a long about way of saying that, you know, you've got, I'm not going to say you have an investment in the franchise, but you've got a foundation there. Yeah. Um, were you, did you know anything of the sequel going into this? Nothing. Okay. Absolutely. So kind of very blind? Yeah, very blind. So that being said, um, is Dead better in part two? <laughs> Dead is better. I wanted the main, and I didn't get any of the main accent. Clancy Brown, dead is better. Yeah, he he does it a little bit throughout the film. I know, but I it, wanted you needed. I needed that. the the whole thing. I right. needed all of it. The ground is sour. The going way up there, right? You know, I need all. Of what that. are you going up there for? Ain't nothing up there, but uh, danger and trouble. Sometimes dead is better. You know, I needed all of it, but no. I, Sometimes butter is better. The one thing I did want to say compared to the original, right, as a story note, 
I liked the idea of two kids getting involved in the pet cemetery originally because like a dad buries his son. I kind of get it. It's like a grief thing, but it makes more sense from a story standpoint to have a kid try and bring his dog back. And that's what like starts the whole mm-hmm. thing. Right. And trying to cover up their shenanigans. Yeah. That's just as it. opposed to like grief. It's not necessary. <laughs> the first one was based on grief. The second one's based on guilt. I mean, it kind of is right. Yeah. But, but yeah. you can identify with that far more than you can losing a child early. Like right. that's a very, right. a niche thing that people can understand, but you don't get it. Unless it's happened to you. Well, plus the fact that we're Catholic, we identify with guilt significantly more. Sure. I mean, you know, but at the same time, I could see like if I was if like, oh, shit, I just killed this person. I know a place that buries people up. Let me cover my tracks really quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go cover my tracks. It makes more sense. And but then at the same time, if I was a grieving husband, I probably, you know, would. Let's see. Roll the dice. But at the same time, it is better. Yeah. Well, and it also goes to the fact that I think that the first one is more of an adult film. Yeah. So you have to have that sure. kind of adult Fucking experience made to really me get it. Well, you, yeah, poor Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Made me cry when I first saw that movie. But then I think then if you see the second one as a kid, I think you're going to have more fun with it because it does play to that audience where it, you do have mm-hmm. your surrogate as Edward Furlong. And like you said, he is in that run at that point. Uh, were you, are you a, uh, was the addition of Clancy Brown a nice surprise for you? Yeah, uh, I was not, I mean, I wasn't expecting Edward Furlong, but I was oh, also nice. definitely not expect- expecting Clancy Brown, you know? So to have, yeah, I'll say they're not equal stars, but to have two stars, stars in the movie was nice. Will not let you do Do not be smirch Clancy Clancy Brown Brown. come on now no 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 he he is the significantly bigger I'd rather watch like Clancy Brown just eat a pizza and just just talk this is good stuff and then like he did in this one (laughs) but like I, I would say this is I mean yeah Edward Furlong is definitely the top build but this is Clancy's movie. For Clancy sure. steals the show. Clancy makes this movie. So, I mean, even like on the hierarchy in Hollywood, I'm going to say Clancy Brown beats out Edward Furlong all fucking day. Oh, no argument here. No argument here. His turn in SpongeBob alone guarantees right. him. Again, like- from the Kurrigan to Mr. Krabs. It's, yeah. He's Clancy Brown. Yeah. To Black Death and um, Venture Brothers. That was rad. Oh, yeah. No, Red Death. Red, Red Death. Death. That's mm-hmm. right. Didn't he show up in first season of Mandalorian as well? Clancy Brown? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. As one of the aliens. God he's he's fucking Clancy Brown. He's the dope. He's the shit. He's yeah. the goat. He's great. Any other surprises from a first time viewing of this, especially just going in completely blind? I was kind of surprised by the level of gore this movie had. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they killed a kid, which oh. you don't see all the time and they didn't shy away from it either right Mm-mm. i mean they went all in on killing that middle school kid it's, and in a funny way i mean yeah well, and especially when you've got clancy ground i'm just fucking with you yeah <laughs> and that i mean that's one of those things like you know as an adult watching a horror movie you're like they're not gonna kill this kid they're not gonna kill. and then oh shit they killed that kid extended <laughs> close-up of the carnage of yeah. killing the kid and that's where you can definitely 
separate yourself from other people, especially you're like peripheral viewing. If you're with someone and then you just got to kind of go, oh, God, I hope they don't think I'm a bad person. Yeah, or, that's every time I see a movie. Because, I mean, seriously, okay, so Pet Cemetery first one, the kid gets killed and I'm over there bawling like a baby. Pet Cemetery 2 comes, I'm kid gets killed and I'm over like, ha! <laughs> that's what you fucking get! See, but there's the difference. In the first one, the kid gets killed. The second movie killed a kid. That's true. There is a difference. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Did anyone notice that? That is the friend in the movie Big. Oh, yeah? He's just a little bit more grown up. Dude. And really? the, the dad was the guy from ER. ER. Yeah, it's oh, ER. Right? So what would you think about the whole meta aspect of it being in a movie theme? Oh, from the... Oh, dude. The, the opening? Uh, cut the opening. Get it out of the movie. Like, the mom getting electrocuted. Get it the fuck out of this movie and it would be so much better i i don't know if that's a hot take about a, a 20 30 year old movie but <laughs> no there's just a weird crutch about opening a movie within, within a, a movie, movie yeah and yeah. then bringing it back towards the movie set this would be like you said i think you said earlier this would be a good double feature with uh new nightmare that's that's exactly yeah. what i thought was like once it like did that pan out or whatever the hell yep. it does to like, like show it i was like oh am i watching new nightmare like get out of here <laughs> actually well, actually 94 is when i think new nightmare came out that so was maybe kind of this was set the, in the style, style of the times kind of an onion of the belt west was like hey that's not a bad oh, start well, to a movie yeah, 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 well and i mean the fact that this is also mary lambert doing something completely different yeah mm -hmm. which i still love right just showing the breadth of her work sure because she could have done a pet cemetery too that was just a continuation of style thematic mm -hmm. uh, everything tone of pet cemetery too but she's you know what i'm gonna do a 180 mm -hmm. yeah and just make it wild and fun and silly well and let me ask you this and Vargas. rabbit violence yes and the violence i want to talk about especially violence on animals because this yeah. is a stephen king movie it's pet cemetery we know there's going to be stuff coming up but having just watched uh amityville it's about time and we forgot to issue a dog trauma warning Oh, the cats. There's the cats, yes. Yeah. Are you a person oh, that... Oh, Char shit! <laughs> Charlie! Speaking of animal warnings... Speaking... <laughs> she has kitty's timing. Yes, Charlie, good timing, Charlie. sweetie. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't even expecting... I'm here sitting talking about like, okay, Arnold, kitty cats, all right, cool. Shit, there's an animal on me! <laughs> Charlie! Charlie! Yeah. Letting her... Hi, sweetie. I know. We're going to take care of you. Are you sensitive to that at all? I'm going to I'm gonna take care of no, her. No, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, big time. I, I've got two cats, and I recently purchased a kitten. Yeah? So seeing that was like, oh, that that feels a little icky yeah it does in my belly you know yeah yeah no i when i was younger i was like oh i don't like to see animals getting killed or anything but i would it never really fucked with me but like since i became a cat owner and a cat dad like i do not sure. like seeing it's... kitty cats even remotely or any animals being remotely hurt i remember that turned me on the good side i was like my fuck that kid when he's riding going down the street with the kid yelling yeah. at the kitty mm -hmm. oh forget about it i I think the thing that made it worse was it's not because, okay, it's a cage full of dead cats. That's one thing. This was like a cage full of globs of meat that were once a cat, right? And it's, again, you're splitting hairs, but it's totally different. 
no, no, Clancy Brown was splitting hairs <laughs> later in the yeah, film. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. The entirety of all of that Excellent. stuff that's going on well, there. Well done. Well yeah. done. Oh, no bravo. Bravo. I, I'm, I'm just, no, here's the one thing you got to understand is uh used to have a cat named Kitty mm-hmm. who was come around here all the time, loved messing with genius and had Perfect. this in- impeccable timing. <laughs> yeah, her timing, her scare so timing was wonderful. she must have like somehow just possessed Charlie to do that. Because Charlie doesn't do that too often, so right. oh, that what, was what, good. what movie did that happen again? I think it was Tattoo the Iron Man. I was watching at home, and all of a sudden, in the cat scene, the cat jumped on me. There was some. There was another <laughs> scene. There was a scene where I was watching this cat was evil or or something, and then Biscuit, wow, I'm like shit. <laughs> and Biscuit doesn't do that, but he's been doing that recently. Fucking Biscuit, he'll just jump up and wow, and then like out of nowhere. And just surprised the fuck out of me. I'm like, oh, shit. Hey, Biscuit, what's up? Well, he's also responsible for derailing the podcast two times at one point. His little, he's, his cat's getting a little bit of an attitude. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling Excellent. you. Yeah, he's yeah. my buddy, but yeah. we gotta, we might, I might have to throw him to Zowie, you know, here if he doesn't doesn't continue there. Uh, the, the effects work at the end with Zowie, with uh-huh. the puppet Zowie, thankfully, it didn't look... It was kind of realistic, but not necessarily. Not enough to, so, like, yeah... It's sold it enough. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's yeah. sold it enough. That's yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. And revisiting it now, it's just looking at kind of how they escalate everything in the finale. Um the finale is wacky. It's yeah. pretty crazy. The finale is wacky. It's like, hey, let's go out with a bang and tie up everything quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a few podcasts that talked about this movie and the scene where you've got little Edward Furlong basically kind of giving Clancy Brown commands and everything yeah was there something we missed with that i possibly i'm glad so i'm glad you said that i felt like i missed something at the finale basically the whole attic scene like somebody dug up the mom okay who and why was clancy. clancy is he trying to become a family is he yeah, trying to does right. he want like does the monster demand a mate why, i mean what's going on why does the mom melt when she's in the fire and like I was going for the mortician makeup myself. That's uh, I mean I yeah, but like you, that's what you do when you need to fix gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> Does she you know, is is she turning into a, a demon or a monster? Her voice changes. It, What's the deal with the attic scene? And then that's when they throw in dead is better and mm-hmm. you're like yeah oh, you know it's oh, like right. are you happy Vargas there's your there yeah, it is it's like no no I much like any sequel a lot of times they're going to try to amplify things you know make you a, give you a higher body count which I definitely definitely do with this yes um, the sets the set pieces are usually a little bit more extravagant I think that works as well sure and you have to you know maybe dip, you know ante up the the ending which they definitely do but the song for the fences at least there's yeah. a commonality though with the with the pet cemetery finals the house is going to inevitably set on fire sure they share that kind of dna and you're going to have to make a rough decision with a loved one and whether or not you know there's there's the, so i mean there's definitely the connective tissue there but then they go oh, okay let's just add clancy brown Drilling constantly into the guy from ER's shoulder. There's, I, yeah, there's just. There's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And again, it's not necessarily. Were you enjoying it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was okay. fun. Okay. For sure. I just, I felt like there was a piece just... that was not. That I, I didn't feel like the movie didn't explain it to me. I felt like I missed it. Sure. 
Which again, splitting hairs, but it's different. No, and I mean it only runs like ninety-seven minutes, and this is one maybe you add, you know, a hundred and you know, like a hundred minutes right there. Yeah, yeah. a few little add more three more minutes. There. Something yeah. we'd be more a little bit like Queen of the Dan. Where am I yeah. missing something here? Yeah. yeah, hell, much like the the Candyman one that just came out, I could have used more in that one. Yeah. actually, yeah. give me another ten minutes. Yeah, and this movie's a lot better. Yeah. So we've discussed most of the things on my notes here. Uh, any other thoughts on Pet Cemetery 2 on your guys' side? I kind of want to eat a meal with Clancy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it'd be awkward, but kind of funny at the end. That's fair. That's fair. Zah. I'm going to do go out for seafood? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I get it. Yeah, sorry, it's not as seafood. good as... Seafood. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. So, obviously... You know, first time viewings for most of us, for the po- for the most part, with Pet Cemetery Two, to going back to an OG Candyman. We love both of these films, but only one can advance into the round of the Frightful Four to represent the year of 1992. And we've got two bits of criteria that we're going to look at here. Now, this first one is a little bit more abstract, and so I always apologize for first time people coming in on this one. Let me get it. But the idea is to kind of create a uh, definition, style, philosophy, or kind of overall aesthetic of what horror was in 1992, and then based on that definition or whatever, which film fits it better. So, of course, we'll always offer the guest to go first, or... Okay, so establishing establishing an aesthetic of a 90s movie. I'll say... what I won't mince words. I'm going to say Candyman's out, because Candyman is far more timeless mm-hmm. than Pet Cemetery 2 is. It... It still is applicable as a story today as much as it was in the 90s. I'll say if it was made in the 70s, the story would still be applicable to what's going on in the world today. And I think that was the intention of the movie. Now, Pet Cemetery 2, with its new metal butt rock soundtrack. Oh, a lot of grunge, a lot of grunge. And, and its burnt orange red cover. Oh, yeah. Fits the aesthetic of a 90s movie much better. I don't know if that's what you guys are looking for. Those it's are my thoughts. Interpretation. That is Those your, are my thoughts. Here's the thing. That is showing your work, <laughs> yep. my friend. That is lay, throwing out the definition and then backing it up. So I love it. Vote for Pet Cemetery 2. Genius McGee. I think Pet Cemetery 2 looks and feels a little bit more 90s on the surface. But from my aesthetic, in the early 90s, it seemed like a lot of things were becoming more socially conscious. We started having like, you know, hey, check out the environment. Here's Captain Planet. You know, we have movies that are starting to get a little bit more socially relevant and dealing with issues that are dealing with either the inner city or the other subjects that normally don't talk about. Here's Colors. You know, here's movies like that. So I think when you're getting more of an overt message in your horror about society's ills it's always been around we talked about it on one of our episodes horror has always put a black mirror to society say look this is what's fucked up Mm -hmm. let me show you what's going on but it wasn't until like the 90s when you started seeing the plight of minorities and the plight of inner city and the plight of all that so for that i think more indicative to the style of the times i'm gonna go with Candyman. Oh, you got a tiebreaker. Onion on the belt here. Well, <laughs> we've got another category. So, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We've we right. got plenty on this one and a lot of meat on this bone. And when looking at a lot of the films, uh, some of the filmmakers that came out in 1992, I initially started thinking about the future. And specifically, you could go from any of the, the filmmakers because this is, again, David Fincher, yeah. Alien 3, his first feature film, which almost turned him off 
from mm-hmm. the process. Yeah. You know, thankfully he came back and stuck with it. So you've got, you know, a filmmaker that we're still talking today. And when he puts out stuff, it's still people seek out, seek it out. But more than anything, I think in the future now, when we think of horror, uh, it was mentioned in five cream. Um, a lot of modern horror is, and we don't like to use the E word here, but a lot of people say elevated. Sure. And which case for a lot of us, it's just more adult based horror. And so I think in the 90 in 92, you start seeing more films gearing towards that as well. So my overall kind of aesthetic is more thinking of things as transitional, thinking towards the future. What is out there um, five years down the road, 10 years down the road or what have you. And for me, again, a film that as you guys both touched upon, no matter when it plays the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s or whatever have you it's still looking to the future because it is going to either play as, and I am talking Candyman here is going to play either as a cautionary tale, hopefully down the line mm-hmm. as something we go. Do you remember what it was like then? Let's make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Or as it continues to be again, 60s, 70s, 90s prescient. And we go, Oh man, look what they were saying back 30 years ago. And we're still dealing with the same stuff. Yeah. And I think because of that, because hopefully either we'll, we'll continue to tell this tale again, either as something that is prescient or a cautionary tale. I don't think we're going to do that with Pet Cemetery 2. It's just, I don't think it is future looking as, you know, as much as it is. In fact, I would yeah. make an argument. It's more thinking of the 80s glory days. Oh, yeah. In terms of the yeah, gore, absolutely. the excess, and so forth. And that's not knocking Pet Cemetery 2 because I have to kind of be in a, a particular mood to watch Candyman cause, because of the material yeah. and the content. I can throw Pet Cemetery 2 on the back and just have a ball. But in terms of Based on my definition of kind of transitional, I think Candyman really fits the bill with that. Now, that being said, thankfully, first time viewings, we're still talking Pet Cemetery 2, 30 years down the line. Uh, of course, we're still talking Candyman at this point. But which of these two films are we still going to be talking about 30 years later when we're doing, uh, you know, episodes 600s, you know, of these, <laughs> of these things? Uh, but which of the two films are we still talking 30 years down the line? I, I don't want to put words in your guys' mouths, but I'm going to anyway. I mean, there's no question it's Candyman, right? There nobody's nobody's gonna be like, hey, when's that Pet Cemetery 2 remake coming out? <laughs> right? When's Jordan Peele gonna be making Pet Cemetery 2? Never. It's not gonna happen. It yeah. it is a product of its time. Again, Candyman, you're talking the original, you're talking the remake. Both of them touch on that timeless, it's prescient, it's it's of its time. It's yeah. looking forward. It's all that stuff. Totally. Totally Candyman. Showing the work. Showing the work. <laughs> Genius. They made a remake of Pet Cemetery. They made a remake of Candyman, but they didn't make a remake of Pet Cemetery 2. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think because of that, because of the remake, because of the sequels, I mean, basically the sequels stopped after Pet Cemetery 2, but you also had Candyman 3. You also had the remake. I mean, from the way things are looking like now, you might have a remake of Part 2 now yep. coming up. I don't see that coming up with Pet Cemetery 2. I think that's one of those ones that's maligned. One's the ones that, like, we're, a lot of you are, we're just seeing this now for the first time time 30 years later meanwhile we've seen Candyman. some of us saw it in the theater and are still like singing its praises it's going to find a new audience every decade and it's going to find new things i'm hoping that it's still not dealing with some of the same issues That's in the presence in the future yeah. 30 years down the line but more than likely it's gonna be you know the plight of minorities the uh, uh, um 
a boogeyman for the downtrodden, you know, that's always going to be along. As long as you're going to have a ruling class, as long as you're going to have people who are stepping down on other people, the down people are going to have their own boogeyman that's going to come into that to like fuck shit up. And so I think that we're going to be talking about to this day. So Candyman for my vote. And I'm going to kind of piggyback on my original argument for kind of future looking transitional Again, it's going to be either a cautionary tale or prescient. We're not adding new to the argument because uh, we're people have been making the argument for this long. So more, more than anything, it's you know trying to get the message out there and for people to listen. And again, Candyman is also um, a, a heady tale, but it's also very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very gory. Um, it's a great horror film. It's got amazing characters, score. It's just a film that we'll still be talking about regardless because it's it's just damn good. Yeah, and by a count of five to one, hooking its way into the round of the Frightful Four to represent the year of 1992. Man, take it easy there. <laughs> the ultimate road trip. Tiny can of hot ads. <laughs> but we couldn't have gotten there if it wasn't for our good friend Vargas. Sincerely, man. Again, congratulations on the event, obviously, oh, today. But yeah. Just congratulations on the continued success of the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, where can our listeners listen to said podcasts? Oh, we're on uh, all your, your listening. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Google Play Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you find your podcasts, <laughs> you can find us. Both of them, on Slide and Debates on Tap. So it sounds like The Thing is going to be joining, or Candyman is going to be joining The Thing for into the final four yeah yeah the frightful four and i'm not saying that i had these those two you know films in my bracket i didn't i i had the thing but i there's something in my personal bracket i did have dead alive beating Candyman. Mm. so Mm. i don't know if i'm a good person or bad person but regardless it doesn't matter show beating things so i'm surprised you didn't have q beating everyone it it went really 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 (laughs) high up there it really did and i'm like well creep show versus q <laughs> that was hard for me. So we're going to be traveling 10 years into the future, into the new millennium, and we're going to be talking eight horror classics from the year of 2002. So until these, uh, this next Monday, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Hey.